Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You could not live with your own failure. Where did that bring you? Back to me. Hello, you're listening to The Playlist Podcast, a discussion about film news and other film and television-related items. I'm Ryan Oliver, and today I'm joined by Playlist Editor-in-Chief, Rodrigo Perez. How's it going today, Rod? Hey, how are you? Good, good. And I'm also joined by our Managing Editor, Charles Barfield. How are you doing today? Doing well. Awesome. The Playlist Podcast is part of the Playlist Podcast Network, so if you enjoyed this show, please be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, however you get your podcast, and you'll get this program along with our other shows. All right, so today we're here to talk about the thing that's pretty much on everybody's mind, which is Avengers Endgame. Uh, We are recording Friday night. Uh, It has opened already to the public. It opened to an extremely large I think 60 million in Thursday previews and it's about tracking for a 140 million opening day, which is pretty insane. And uh, we are getting to it a little bit late, but uh, better late than never. As usual, we are going to do a non-spoiler section, uh, which for this movie is going to be very, very brief. Uh, And then we'll move into a spoiler section. Um, but Charles, I want to start with you. So you you wrote the review for the site, which I recommend that everyone check out. Um, but you were not on our Infinity War episode from last year. So um, not only do I want to get your sort of nondescript, uh, like, spoiler-free thoughts on um, Endgame, but I'm also curious uh, for our listeners what your thoughts on Infinity War were as well. Well, uh, so... Just so everybody knows, I'm I'm pretty much in the bag for all these movies. I am a lifelong comic book reader. I love everything about these things, uh, the superheroes, the stories, all of it. But that being said, I, I do try to uh, to be as objective as possible. That being said, I loved Infinity War. I thought it was really great. I thought it was uh, uh, at the at that moment the most epic Marvel movie I had ever seen. Obviously. Um, had its faults. It was a little too heavy on the action. Um, not as much of the character interaction that I, you know, was expecting from one of these movies. But overall, really enjoyed it. Was excited um, for Endgame, and and really, my thoughts for Endgame are are pretty much summed up in the uh, the review for sure. But if you're a fan of these movies, if you followed along for all 21 prior to this, then you will probably love this movie. Um, if you are just kind of on the fence about them, if you are, you know, somebody who hasn't maybe seen all of the movies, kind of in and out, casual fan, uh, you'll you'll probably find stuff you like. But then again, you know, you won't you won't get the full effect. It's definitely a love letter to the diehard fans of the MCU, um, and in that respect, it's very successful. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, my grade was a B plus, and um, that was probably. Uh, lower than my own personal feelings on the movie, um, biased feelings, but 
uh, it's a good representation. It's a very good movie uh, in my eyes with some faults, but overall enjoyed the heck out of it. Awesome. I look forward to diving into more in the spoiler section, but I'm going to turn over to you, Rodrigo. Um, we talked about Infinity War around this time last year. Um, it, for those who didn't listen to the episode, uh, we were both pretty big fans of the movie uh, as well, Charles. And um, so I'm curious. It's been a, it's been a year of hype. It's been a buildup. It's been all 21 movies have been leading to this movie, to this moment, to an end of an era. And so did that for you succeed? Did it live up to expectations? What What are your thoughts on the movie? Um, so, so overall, just thinking about our Infinity War podcast and, and how much, you know, you and I talked about it and enjoyed it and, and, and thinking about it, I'd, I'd seen the movie a bunch of times since. I've showed it to my kids and we sort of watch it almost like television a little bit. Like, you know, here's a you'll watch this act or you'll watch that act and, you know. And, and starting to really um, um, admire some of the writing, some of the writing choices and things like that. And um, I can't help but think that an endgame is a bit of a is a bit of a disappointment. Um, it it, uh, it was so it's just so fan servicey. I agree with Charles that you know it's it's kind of made for the hardcore fans. And I guess I'm a hardcore fan in a way, but I'm also like I, I personally, and I don't mean this as insult to anybody else, but like, no matter how big of, I, I, and I think Ryan, you probably know this best, having spoken to me with a lot of podcasts about stuff. It's like, like I, I, I will like and love anything, but like, if you betray me or insult my intelligence, no matter what it is that the thing it is I love, I will say so, and I will turn on you in a kind of way. Um, I, I like, and so I do like, I, for the most part kind of love the mcu and love all these things but i i just felt kind of like uh sort of and maybe betrayals too much of a strong word because i don't dislike the movie um i don't love it either and i just felt just kind of disappointed i felt like it was trying to do so much and uh i don't know i i don't know i we can get into it in the spoilers but it I felt the writing and the pacing was really, really baggy and really clunky. I will agree with some of that and specific. Uh, we again, we will we will avoid any sort of spoilers until the the um, spoiler section. But I think this movie, I'm I'm pretty much in the middle of the two yeah. of you. I, I think that's safe to say. I like this movie overall. I don't think I would call it a personal disappointment for me, mm-hmm. but I do think, I think this movie starts very strong. I think the sort of like, uh, diving into the personal loss that these characters have gone through and suffered and the imagery that they're able to convey to show that I think is really strong. I think the character work here is also strong. I also think the movie ends strong. Um, but the middle section of this movie, I, I would tend to agree with the sort of uh, pacing, the clunkiness of the pacing. And again, I can't get too specific as to why, but I do feel the sort of mechanisms that set things in motion are a little uninspired. That's So I think that's where I ultimately come down on it. But I do, I think there are a lot of things that are 
very satisfying in the movie. I think there are a lot of uh, genuinely earned emotional moments. I think there's a lot of genuine humor that really works in the movie. Um, but I do think uh, I certainly did feel the length of the movie. It is a three hour movie. I'm sure most people know that at this point, but if you don't, it is three hours long. Um, That's not even my, no, I no, mean, just jump in. I'm okay with three hours and I'm, I'm yeah, you know, yeah, no, no, no. And I'm not saying that like any movie can be whatever length as long as it's good. Right. That does, that's yeah. not a problem. It's that it, it does, I would say often feel like a long movie because it is trying to do so much. And there are certain things that, don't work in the movie, but I, I think it starts strong. I think it ends strong. Um, I think it's, it's a, a, a solid send off for this era. I do think, I mean, it's hard, it's hard to make a finale. I think more than anything, it's like a, it's, you know, like a series finale or something like that. It's like, it's really difficult to wrap all these plot threads. Um, and I, I think they did a mostly decent job, um, but I and I also agree it is fan service up the wazoo, um, and that will work for some people. It clearly worked for the audience that I went to go see the movie with last night. Um, but for some people, if you're not with it, then it's it's going to become. I think Charles, you mentioned it, it's going to become a little grating. It's going to become a little um, frustrating. But I, I think it's a solid movie overall. Um, and I do want to ask the two of you before we dive into spoilers, if there's any sort of, any sort of thing that you want to cover that we, you think you might want to tell people before we, we take that trip. Um, for one, I would love everyone to just give their personal grade of what they thought before we jump in. And there's just one other thing that you kind of reminded me of is when I kind of say pacing, I kind of don't mean lengthwise. I kind of mean, I guess, like what you said sort of helped me articulate it is that I feel like a lot of stuff in this movie does work. It is emotional. It is funny. It is dramatic. It is exciting. But there's so many little parts that also don't work. So I feel like it's a it's a movie for me that constantly is like, oh, here's a little stretch that's awesome. And then, oh, wait, that's weird. That's clunky. And then that works. And whoa, that's that was fast. And how, whoa, and they made that big choice really and it's just throughout like this constant thing for me that is just sort of it's almost like a, a bad driving experience where someone doesn't know how to drive and the car is just going f- f- smooth and clunky and then and then just kind of very unsatisfying by the end. Um, and that's how I sort of meant about, I guess, uh, pacing and writing in, in together in tandem. Um, and then I guess I would just say that my grade is probably around um right now and i am gonna see it tomorrow and i am gonna give it another shake i'm taking my daughter um uh she's a big fan so uh, i think right now i stand at about a c plus or a c uh but i'm i'm willing to to examine that maybe maybe that'll change with tomorrow when i've maybe i've gotten over some of my initial disappointment or whatever i don't know anyhow i uh (laughs) I've already seen it twice. Um, I went last night and as well as the press screening earlier in the week. And I will say the pacing issues weren't so much of an issue the first time I saw it, probably just because of the excitement of seeing it, of the um, reveals that happen pretty regularly throughout the movie. And then once you know all the secrets, once you know the twists, once you know the beginning, middle and end, 
um, there are points where you're like, okay, okay, let's let's just keep it going, you know, and and the the length does wear a little bit. Um, that being said, I, I don't, I wasn't disappointed by the movie, even when it's uh, when the the pacing is off, which we'll obviously get into. Um, I think we're all talking about the the same stuff. Uh, I think even with all that, I still I gave it a B plus on the site. I I would stick by that. Um, the first experience watching the movie was was a very exciting experience for myself. But uh, even just spending time to think about it and discussing it with people, I think a B plus is still very fair for me. I uh, I mean I'll probably split the difference and say I'm I'm a, a solid B. Um, I have seen the movie less than 24 hours ago, so I'm I'm still sort of processing it. And uh, I watched it in the very front row with my neck pointed up so uh, <laughs> so um i am looking forward to see it again in hopefully an imax um and and feel like i had a, a better experience but um you know i think charles you hinted at this i think there's um i, I think we agree on, we may agree on a lot of the stuff that doesn't work and, and I, i'm interested to get into that but um i i think um the good the good ultimately outweighed the bad for me um and it's sort of that push and pull of like emotional feelings versus like the technical sort of execution of the movie. And so like emotional, probably like a B plus and my, like how the movie's executed would probably be like a B minus. So I'm, I'm going to split the difference and I'm going to say a B. Well, with that out of the way, we'll just, we'll dive into it. So we have a lot to talk about. So spoiler discussion for Avengers Endgame starting right now. Yeah, actually, I'm just about to watch it now, Jack. I have already seen it! <laughs> anyway, uh, at the end, there's a very unusual twist. Oh! <laughs> oh, no! Oh, no, I know there's a twist! I'm going to spend the whole film guessing what it is! So before we get too deep in the weeds, I don't know if it's worth mentioning or not, but um, I kind of wanted to bring up a couple things that we were um, right about in our infinity war review, uh, cause we did spend a decent amount of time making some speculations and it doesn't matter. There's not a prize for that or anything like that. But, um, I know <laughs> Rod, you mentioned the quantum realm. And so you were hundred percent right about that. Um, and I, a, that's how we, how we assumed that we were, they were going to do it. I believe so. That is how you mentioned how that was going to play it, how they, uh, go back in time, which we will get to, um, momentarily. Um, but yes, you, you ultimately predicted that. And then I had said something to the effect of, I didn't think that anybody pre snap who died was going to come back. And that is also true with the exception of one character, which we'll get into, which is kind of a weird, cheap workaround, but we'll get to that. Um, where do we start with this thing? There's so much that <laughs> happens. Do we, should we just go like, I, I, uh, like I re, section I re, by section? What? Yeah. <laughs> well, I well, feel like the shape of it is, is, um, is, a uh, is a way to break it down. And I've actually written it down as, as the way I see it. I almost see it as five acts. I mean, um, that makes hundred percent sense. So do we start at the beginning where, um, well, let's let's talk about what that five acts are, and then break it, jump down into each one. Sure thing. Here's how I, here's how I see it, and and let me tell you, and then you let me tell you if you guys think I'm wrong. So you got a prologue. I mean, there's a whole section before even like the credits or before the title starts, right? 
Yeah, and it's not even a cold open. That there's right. like multiple scenes. Yeah, and so it just jumps right in, and then it keeps going for about 25 minutes or 30 minutes, and that's the prologue. We'll break down what that prologue is, and and then the and then the Avengers credit the the title comes up and the movie kind of starts. But that is the prologue, and the first act to me is is essentially the equivalent of the leftovers. It is um, a tale about grief, and um, it it breaks down several different ways about how um, all these people are affected by grief. Some of them are affected in a funny way, as in the way with Thor. Some of them are affected in very serious ways, affected in very grim ways, like Hawkeye. But it's essentially grappling with their grief. And it's and, and, and also, I should, I should say, it, it is the, the point of the movie where it's five years later. The prologue is set 23 days later, right? Mm-hmm. And then... The, the first act starts five years later, um, and so it's it's five years in the, into the into the future, and there's all the stuff they're dealing with. Then there's the second act, which is what I basically call the Back to the Future Part Two act, which is the time travel. Yeah, you mean the third act, right? Well, the prologue is yeah. I guess you're right. You're you're right. It's the third act. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's um, it's actually three acts with a prologue and an epilogue, but whatever. Yeah. Um, uh. But it's the 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 third act or the the second of the of, or the third or the however you want to do it. But it's the middle, and it's Back to the Future two, and it's the time travel stuff, and it's them going back to revisit all that stuff, and it's probably the goofiest section of the movie. Um, yes, and, and it kind of has to be because it's it's doing a lot of weird. I call it the also the the silly string section. It's just really goofy and wacky, and then you've got the 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 third act or the fourth act, however you want to look at it, which is the Lord of the Rings three. And it's the big fucking epic, uh, third act, you know, epic to end all epic battles. And that's essentially the, that's what that is. And then you've got the epilogue, which is also very, uh, reminiscent of Lord of the Rings three. And you've got your, uh, epilogue where you basically say goodbye to, I guess it's two characters. I'm trying to think of really what makes it three. I'd argue three. What do you got? You got Tony. Mm-hmm. You've got um, Cap. Yeah. What's and, the third one? And uh, Nat. Do they give her one though? I well, mean, they they, they mention her. They, yeah, and, and oh, Banner that, does that, this that, whole that, like I tried to snap her back thing. Yeah. Well, you mean are you talking about the 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 scene between Hawkeye and and um, uh, uh, Wanda? Uh, well, yeah, there's that scene too. But then, as Charles mentioned, there's a scene where Bruce Banner says, "I tried to, I tried to snap her back, and um, and it didn't, and it didn't work." Okay. Well, I guess I just sort of meant it as like, I don't. I think those are maybe just scenes, but like, I, it feels like there's actually just two epilogues because they're almost like two separate different things. But uh, but I, I'm just being sort of breaking it down like that. But it, well, whatever. Sure. Um, but but that's sort of the shape of it to me. It's the 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 prologue three acts in the epilogue and then within that epilogue there's just a, a like it's sort of broken in, into two i guess i i agree completely and i and that's what we we're i guess hinting at with the the pacing is the parts that really work which i would say the the bookends the prologue and the epilogue really work um they're very very slow paced very character driven then you have the excitement of them fighting thanos again right after infinity war which caught me by surprise um, especially with how it ended and then and then it's that middle part where suddenly 
the the stakes are really like presented very very big and very emotional but then when you get down to it it's just like it's the greatest hits and yeah. it's 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 a it, it can really throw you off because you're supposed to you may have already cried by that point you may have already cheered and then now you're supposed to to laugh at cap fighting cap talking about his butt in a suit yeah. and 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 all that and and it, it is jarring and then yeah. of course you know then really they they save themselves with that that epic of all epic battles um where for a lot of people they just won't even remember that middle section will only remember that um and then of course it sticks the landing at the end yeah, and I think that's, I mean, that's where all my pretty much whiplash, the stuff that you were sort of referring to at the beginning, Rod, is is almost all in that middle act. The the Back to the Future Part 2 act, which is name-checked in the movie, or at least the first Back to the Future is name-checked in the movie. But I feel like every, every time travel movie is name-checked. Yes, yeah. that is true. But, uh, but it is in that stuff where it's like, on the one hand, you can look at, some of the recreations they do and be amused, impressed, whatever have you. But then it's like, it is that whiplash of like, there's stuff that's so silly and so slapstick as Charles said with the, like, you know, joking about Captain America's ass in the suit and all this stuff juxtaposed within that with like poignant moments as well, like with Thor and his mom, which the fact that this movie even brings that movie back into play, Thor the Dark World, um, <laughs> is like, I'm like, oh man, you have to make, I have to remember that movie. To, <laughs> but uh, you, know, you know what's funny about that though is uh, the way that they got, I thought it was clever, the way they got um, drunk Thor to try to explain the events of Dark World. And it's it's almost, I read it as like, they couldn't even make it funny. Like, it's almost sad. He's just off on tangents about sludge ether. And, you know, it's 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 the worst. That is true. That is a good, like, kind of, probably a winking moment that I didn't even really think about that <laughs> until you just said it. But that's, mm-hmm. I'll have to look for that on the second viewing. But it is really a lot of whiplash and a lot of, but let's, I feel like maybe we should go back to the beginning before we get too deep in the weeds of the events of that. Um, so the movie starts starts with uh, what is? How does it start? It's with Hawkeye, Hawkeye. Right? yeah, oh, which is just just a reminder of the gut punch of Infinity War. Is like we know we know he wasn't in the movie clearly, and we know that he is retired out with his family. And we don't even see them disappear, which is pretty crazy. It's just, uh, he just looks around and then that, that dust just is there in the air, um, which is pretty strong, pretty harrowing stuff. Um, and then we cut to Tony and Nebula, which I thought that was a really nice moment of them playing like paper football in the ship as they're sort of accepting this fate, accepting their death, accepting that they lost until a day U.S. mock. Deus Ex Machina comes in and saves them, um, which I got a lot of, I got a lot of things to say about that. But uh, Captain Marvel finds them, brings them back down, and then, sorry, I'm still wrapping my brain. And then they go back to fight Thanos. Right? That's well. That's there's the whole do. section where Tony just lays into Cap, and and they really hash it out over um, the Civil War stuff. And then, of course, the Infinity War, how they were separated. Right. I mean, I think you guys have, have got it. Is Hawkeye, and fa- Hawkeye with family, Tony and Nebula, the deus ex machina, 
brings bring them back. Cap and Tony uh, relitigate civil war, and then and then basically um, from there, they um, they they go to get Thanos, right? Like pretty much, I, yeah, like, yeah. I, I, I what what I enjoyed about it is I think that that whole section when they were talking about the marketing for the movie and saying like most of this is going to come from the first 20 minutes I think that's because everybody just assumed that that first prologue was going to be the movie um which obviously there's still two and a half hours left so it wasn't but uh yeah it yeah it's I thought it was a strong opening for sure. Well, it was fascinating and, and pretty like the, the audience that I watched it with were pretty shocked that, um, so they, they go back to fight Thanos. They discover that Thanos has destroyed the infinity stones that almost killed them or that almost killed him. And then (laughs) Thor cuts his head off and the audience audibly gasped. Like people were just like, Oh wait, like, like you said, Charles, they thought it was gonna that was gonna be the movie, and then in the first fifteen minutes of the movie, they go. They're like, "Okay, well, we defeated him, but now what do we do?" Um, and then that title card slowly comes up that says five years later, and it's like yeah, pretty. That's shocking, right? Yeah, it's really like harrowing. You see just these rundown buildings. You see City Field completely abandoned, which is, I guess, no different than present day City Field. But it's uh, <laughs> right. We're gonna have sports jokes. Um, and then you have the um, uh, like the monument in San Francisco as well, um, which I don't, I guess, don't want to get too far ahead of that. But uh, you just have these just names of people who vanished, and you have Cap sort of still remaining the optimist out of all of it, uh, leading a support group for um, for people who lost people. Um, Let's talk about the prologue a little bit more, though, before we before we jump back to. I mean, it sounds like you guys really liked it, but I had a lot of like whiplash within that prologue. Oh, then uh, tell us. I, I'm I'm interested to know. Well, first of all, you got the gut punch of Hawkeye and his family. Very shocking, right off the top. Holy shit! Like they're not fucking around here. Like you know. It's a huge reminder of it's a it's a great tag to to remind you of like what happened at the end of Infinity War. Not that you really need to know, but it, you know it's emotional. It touches upon a character we haven't seen, and then you've got this like weird rock music that's playing in the Guardian ship, and it's like that's how you transition to Guardians uh, scenes in in these movies. You play some some funky weird music and do that, right? But it's just like it. God, I was just like, like you've been like practically just betrayed the scene you've just set up and just emotionally like slayed the audience with this really goofy mu- mu- music and 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 you I can't remember what the song is. I mean, it's always like some some sixties or seventies thing that they do. Um, but I was like, I was like, oh, bad choice. Like, like no, 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 no. Like, like because I'm like I'm sort of relishing every one of these moments. I'm really like. You know, like you're giving me this emotional thing, and then you get to this goofy thing way too quickly. And I'm like, uh, okay, uh, fine. You know, I'll let this go. I'm let watch the movie. And then there's a Deus Ex Machina right across the top. I'm like, okay, uh, I'm trying to enjoy this movie. They just threw a Deus Ex Machina at us. Uh, okay, I'll try and forget that. Let's let's try and get in this movie. And then they get into Cap and the Tony War relitigate civil war uh cap and tony and that's kind of cool actually i like this they, you know there's some that's a lot of character stuff and the next thing you know they're fucking off 
I'm like, what? Like, can it wait? Hello? Wait? You're going to, uh, and you're already on a show. Oh, and his head's cut off and boom. And like, so all that stuff, while it's shocking and surprising and stuff, I'm like, I do not have my bearings. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, who slapped this together? Like, and what the pacing of all this? Like, you've done all this crazy stuff where you're surprising the audience and you're, and you've really, you know, grabbed us and stuff. But at the same time, I'm like, ugh, like, this is like just really crazily slapped together. That prologue is a mess to me. Um, there's the, the, there's things in like the, you know, individual things that are crazy. The Hawkeye thing's crazy. Killing Thanos is crazy. Slapping to five years later, like, wow, holy shit. That's a big, big choice. You know, you know that that that's like a big thing, but the way they get there is just like, Ugh. Yeah, it's just like making me queasy, and I just felt like I, – I feel like I needed it like a pause or a breather or something. I'm just like, what are you guys doing with this movie? Um, so it sort of like set a bad taste in my mouth right from the jump. That's that's interesting that you say that. And, and I will say the, uh, the deus, ex ma- deus ex machina of Captain Marvel is jarring, um, even though uh, – over the last year, Rod and I have talked about how this movie was going to begin, and I will pat oh. myself on the back with the Hawkeye thing. Um, I think that was pretty obvious, though. But also, I I just had a feeling that they were going to just have Captain Marvel save Iron Man. Now, no, you know, here, like, sorry to interrupt you. Here's how it went. It was Charles and I talking about it, and then one of us said something like to the effect, could you imagine if, <laughs> like, you know, uh, Captain Marvel saves Iron Man, like that's how they'll get it, right? And, and we were, and we were both like, no, that's fucking way too obvious. Like, why would yeah. they? Why would they? Like, stuck there, and she gets him. Like, that's too fucking obvious. And then they go and do it, and we were like, oh, you know, like I groaned. I yeah, but too. then, but you said uh, in one of our discussions after we saw the movie is you said the if you piece together the tag from Captain Marvel, yeah, it and it does make sense because. If you were to put the but tag like, from Captain Marvel in there, then suddenly she did come back to Earth, talk to the Avengers. The Avengers said, hey, by the way, we've got wait, this wait, guy wait, lost wait, in wait, space. Wait, 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 wait. Let Ryan – like you and I have talked about it. Ryan, can you explain that? Does that make sense to you, the the tag from Captain Marvel and Infinity War? Does that – like because I needed to like re-explain to myself even though I'd fucking seen it. I was totally confused. Yeah, I had to remember that too actually because I – literally forgot almost everything in captain marvel but um (laughs) uh, but it um i mean it makes sense right okay so you have the tag at the end of infinity war where nick fury as he's about to get snapped away uh calls uh carol danvers and then at the end of captain marvel uh she comes down like the avengers are whoever's left are trying to formulate a plan of what they're going to do and then she comes storming into HQ and says, where's Nick Fury? So that would make sense that she's teamed up with them. They have an idea. And then they know yep. that Tony's out but in space. It's so weird. Then you sort of have to intuit, like even afterwards, like you kind of have to intuit that like, oh, they told her, yeah, Tony's missing. You got to go help us. Like I like it, that was totally confusing to me. I agree. And also there's the whole idea of where, I mean, if we want to get too granular with it, it's how does she find them in the middle of the deep, dark void of space, as Tony puts it. Like, you know, it, it's a needle in a haystack in a haystack. You know, it's like. And it's, here's the other thing, because like people sometimes will go, go, you're nitpicking. And it's like, no, I don't want to nitpick any of these movies. But but 
like when they happen when these things happen that confuse me in the middle of the movie that's when i'm like wait what and then i'm taking emotionally i'm out emotionally out of the movie because i'm having to grapple with bad writing i'm like wait what like how did she find them you know what i mean and then i like because like it literally did not make any sense and i had just seen captain marvel again the weekend before with the with the thing so like it it like they didn't explain that clearly that like you're supposed to figure out because she came at the end of infinity or a captain marvel and she says hey where's nick fury and so then when we first see her we're supposed to have intuited that they told her yeah tony's missing go find it like that like it, it literally took me like 30 minutes after that scene had happened to figure figure out how that happened you know what i mean so it's like i don't want to nitpick this shit but like when you confuse someone or you can't storytell in a way that's not that then you're you're taking your 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 audience out of the movie i agree i i it's funny because when i watched the movie the first time i didn't i just thought it was you know just coincidence i think i even mentioned in in my review i said you really at the beginning you have to look past some obvious coincidences and that is what i was alluding to which is this you know needle in a haystack captain marvel somehow came across tony and it wasn't until i spoke with you rod where you were like oh no but if you think about the tag and then i put it together and i was like oh, okay that makes a little bit more sense but yeah there's still you know a major plot hole that being said uh it was clear um, in the story that the Russos wanted to tell, that they needed Iron Man back on Earth as quickly as possible. And yeah, really. it, it, what's really odd about that is it it harkens back to uh, The Last Jedi for me in comparison to Force Awakens, where there were things in The Last Jedi that were completely just wrapped up quickly, Snoke or, you know, Ray's parentage or whatever, that mm-hmm. were clearly like, oh, because this guy who wrote the second movie didn't necessarily agree with the direction the first movie's going in. But here we have the same people doing both. And there was this Absolutely. disconnect where which Absolutely. is so strange. And, and, which is funny would you mention that because that's how I read Endgame. Endgame to me feels like it's written. It it feels like the last Jedi. Writers, but it's the same people. But I feel like it's like I really I feel it has that same kind of disconnect. And that's another one of my big issues because, like, these guys are usually so good at writing thematically and they've done all the Cap movies and they have this really great way of, like, you know, this is a team that's been together for, like, four movies now. I think they did Winter Soldier, they did Civil War, they did Infinity War, and they did Endgame. Yeah, and the writers have actually written two more. Yeah. I think, yeah, so. Yeah. So, um, uh, uh. Yeah, you know, there's always been this great thread, but I, 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 like, if you would tell me, if I wouldn't have known, and you would have said to me, yeah, Endgame was directed and written by different people, I would believe you. Right. And, and I agree. I agree that that's something that, you know, is a flaw of the movie. It's just, whereas you went and it, it kind of stuck with you and left a sour taste in your mouth, I just, the first time I watched it, and even the second time, I just kind of was like, Okay, this is you know comic books. This is superheroes. I know this is. I think I've I've said this before about my wise mind. Like my wise mind is saying like you need to pay attention to this because this is really bad writing. But then my other mind saying but but it's really really fucking cool. Um, so yeah, it's it's the the grappling inside. Ryan, what what what's your take on the on the on the prologue? I mean, I'm I'm I guess I'm ambivalent, which I, that sounds like a cheat <laughs> of an answer, but I I don't really have. I will agree. I think it's a little rushed uh, for certain, but I don't. I there was nothing in it that really like stuck in my craw. I guess the way that it that it is sticking with you. Um, 
it just with the with the exception of the deus ex machina which again seemed incredibly obvious um and it felt like we literally just watched an origin movie for that moment to happen like the especially yeah. like kind of the way the whole movie plays out too where it's just like oh did i just watch another two-hour movie to get a character from point a to point b um yeah. But that's the only thing that bothered me. Like, I get, you know, because Infinity War had this sense of urgency to it. Like, by design, it had to. Because the the clock was ticking, and they had to do everything they needed to do. And so I feel like the urgency in the prologue, to me... Like, I, I, I could agree with the song choice. I could agree with the Captain Marvel thing. But I feel like that urgency bleeds over in a way that i feel like work like there's no time there's no like the cap and tony get an argument in um but there's just no time they have to do it thor is over there sulking because he's the one who probably lost or feels like he lost the most because he didn't hit the head he didn't chop his head off and so he sat there while thanos snapped the finger so he's sitting there just like okay we have to do this there's no time to waste we have to go accomplish this i feel like that fit with the last movie which i don't do think when it leads into the next act when it leads into the leftovers act that you were referring to i think that to me makes that those scenes stronger it makes those scenes hit harder to me so you know i agree i think there are some things in the prologue that don't quite work for me but there wasn't anything that took me out of the movie entirely so that's i guess that's where i stand on it yeah and ultimately i agree with you um I again, you, you it's obvious those things, the the Captain Marvel thing, especially. But uh, I also said in my review, if you're on board with it after the very beginning, the first 20 minutes, then you're fine for the rest of the movie. Because if you can get past those little things, the coincidences, the deus ex machina, all that, then you will most likely be on board for the, what they do in the the following four acts or whatever. Sure. I do think, and I, again, I don't want to get too ahead, but I, even, even in the, the, like the, you know, the so-called back to the future, um, uh, sequence, like there, there are a ton of coincidences that happen in that too, to, to the point where, um, I, I will, I will leave, lead some credence to like being taken out of the movie by some, but we'll, we'll get to that. Um, should we move on to the, to the leftovers act or do we have anything else to say about yeah, that? Let, let's, let's move on to the leftovers. Okay. Cause that's... or, or the, the act I call, Oh, you didn't realize that Ant-Man versus the, or Ant-Man and the Wasp was so darn important. <laughs> yeah we did we were talking about that off mic a little bit and, and i'm glad you brought that up because um for one just on a personal level i enjoy that movie a lot so it's kind of like exciting that that one was super important um and i i think i was getting at it earlier um and maybe i'll cut some of this out but um but ant-man comes back i mean the biggest key is that he comes back after five years um but for him, down in, what was it, five hours in the quantum? That's world? what he says, yeah. Yeah, it was five hours. That It felt like he was down there for five hours. He comes back five years later. Um, His but, return is awesome. That yes, stuff, that it's, emotional stuff is great. Yes, when he goes back, he runs to the memorial to see if Cassie's still memorial, alive. His daughter, uh, yeah. that whole thing. That section is excellent. It's good. The whole, to me, the whole, you know, quote-unquote leftovers section is some of the strongest stuff in the movie um with characters just like they're they've they've moved on they've or they've had to move on 
Um, and I think all of that stuff is really strong. And I think it leads well into the stuff that uh, does happen. Um, well, again, that whole the leftovers is all about grief, right? Like, and I'd hinted at it earlier. You've got the, 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 there's everybody dealing with, like, first of all, Ant-Man camp comes back and, and then you've got like all the different stages of grief. You've got Thor who's given up, right? And you, you get fat Thor and that's the comedy reaction to the grief you get um uh hawkeye who's who's lost everything and become a, a, a mercenary so it's like the grimmest version of his reaction to grief which is basically like fuck everything i'm a nihilist now right mm-hmm. it's like people are gonna die just because i lost um and, and then there's the like you know the sort of various reactions throughout um those two probably being the strongest um and then i guess in that leftover section um well then they eventually go to convince tony and then then that sort of gives tony's whole arc of just like well i've got i've got a future now i've got a i'm he's actually his is the one of the most interesting because he's 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 actually got something and the the the, the five years that is gone is is and everything that's happened before is is he's the only one where it's like meaningless to him in a way He's he's in the best case scenario now, so that kind of does tie well with his ending, which is very heroic because he's the one with like, like everyone has nothing to lose, and now he's the only one with like everything to lose. Absolutely, yeah, I agree. Yes, I I, I also like the the thing about Tony is, uh, whereas Hawkeye's angry and and lost everything, um, Ant Man feels like well he lost Wasp and the Pims and all that. But he he was lucky enough to keep his daughter. Everybody had some sort of loss, um, and yeah. and Cap deals with it in the best possible way. He's you know the trooper that he is. He's trying to help people still. Um, and then you have Black Widow, who's trying her best just to to keep busy with work. Yeah, cope. Uh, yeah, cope. and then but but what Tony? What's interesting about Tony is is like you said, his selfishness turns into. Uh, a strong suit for him because he's he's like you know i've got my wife i've got my kid um i've got my little plot of land by a lake um i don't need to screw with you guys and your loss you know tough shit and and that's an interesting dynamic for sure yeah i i remember mentioning when we talked about infinity war that um in in uh at least a couple movies in the interim leading up to that that i had kind of stopped caring about tony stark's arc um, but that movie had reinstated it. And I feel like this movie certainly reinforced it. Um, as I think that the fact that he has, like you said, everything to lose and yet still knows he like deep down would not be able to sleep at night knowing that he has the key <laughs> to do all this. That as I think his words in the movie are, I could put it in a box and throw it in the bottom of the ocean. Um, well. but he wouldn't sleep well with that. Um, and then two more things before we move on. Uh, the Thor stuff is obviously funny and, and, but I also think that there's a pretty like, I mean, there's a clear deep down sadness to that too. Um, oh, for sure. yeah, and, yeah. And it's such a, like, I, I think that's one of the strong, also one of the very strong performances of the movie. And then we haven't talked about Hulk yet. What Bruce Banner's <laughs> done yeah. in the interim, uh, what he's done to move on, how he's, one of the standouts of the movie to me anyway, that he's merged the, uh, his Hulk body and his Bruce Banner brain. And now he's just walking, talking smart Hulk who wears shirts. And yeah, I he's, think this he's smart, he's smart Hulk from the comics. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I guess I, I not familiar with any 
comics where Hulk is smart. So uh, my apologies. Sorry. <laughs> my <laughs> no, it's 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 a classic uh, thing to do with the Hulk. Like, there's only certain things you can do with him. You can either have him a complete monster, which they they did in the first Avengers, where he's just mindless, running around, jumping and smashing stuff. And then you have the the in between, like in Ragnarok, and then. The other go-to is, is uh, I think he's like nicknamed in the comics, like the Professor Hulk, where he's just, you know, the smart one. Except they obviously add the wrinkle where he's also basically Mark Ruffalo um, with his mannerisms and everything. And then uh, he enjoys the fame, which is also uh, very unique. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah that, like, that kind of – I do want to – like I had written it down as a point. I really want to talk about Banner. Um Again, another big issue with me in the movie because on its own, on its face, Smart Hulk and all that stuff, it's really fun. It's really enjoyable. It's really great. He's great throughout. At the same time, it betrays everything that's been set up in in Infinity War. Infinity War has this terrific arc for Bruce Banner and the Hulk. They're at war with one another. That war has been going on for a long time. We've seen it in Ragnarok. Ragnarok, you know, basically they – he says, you know, well, I was in jail. I was trapped while the Hulk was running around for years, right? And Banner had never come out. And they're at war with one another. They hate one another. They talk about that. That whole conflict, that whole war is coming out in in, 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 in Infinity War again. And basically Banner's left to his own wits and, he, and then the Hulk abandons him. And the last thing that's said in Infinity War is like, Hulk, we got to figure this out, man. Like, we got this thing. So it's like this realist setup of this, like, you know, there's war, this conflict, and it's got to be resolved. We've got to see, we've got to see this resolve, and we got to see it pay off emotionally in in Endgame. And instead of that, they fast forward to the fun fan favorite thing, Smart Hulk. And it's like I was like, oh, it's like you guys are so good with your thematic writing and all this stuff that you do, and you just abandoned that, left it, like left it right on the table, and just fast forwarded to like fun stuff and to me that felt like a little bit of a minor betrayal and at the same time it felt like you know okay guys we're in the writer's room it's all four of us again it's you know marcus mcfeely and the two russos this is our last kick at the can of of marvel what toys do we want to play with so we're going to play with smart hulk we're going to play with fat thor you know what i mean it just felt like they were doing like these things and i was just like "Eh." if i just watch the smart hulk stuff on my own i love it it's really fun really enjoyable but i but that's like i can't turn off that part of my brain that's nagging and going like "Mm." but you you know what i mean i don't know that's how i felt about it no i i think that's totally understandable i guess i view it as that he did i mean it it doesn't it doesn't pay off i guess in a direct sense um which is unfortunate but he does say you mentioned the line itself where he says i have to we hulk buddy you and i have to work this out um i mean that was clearly the way i guess clearly the way they worked it out which i I, you know maybe may not be necessarily satisfying but it seems like they did work it out they worked it off out off screen yeah (laughs) and i I totally see that uh, as being a frustration because i feel like at least the five of the six other core Avengers get an appropriate send up. Like, like the arcs of those are paid off. I feel Mm -hmm. like me, except for Bruce Banner. That's a good, I mean, that's a good point. Yeah. Then that, I guess 
to 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 contradict what I'm just saying is I suppose someone had an idea of like, well, this is we have we've been evolving the Hulk throughout the MCU throughout these years, and we've been to Baby Hulk, and this is in a way the next natural evolution. Like this is where we have to go next. So I can understand that, but I just feel like in doing so, they just drop that sort of side of the Hulk, and and then he just becomes like he kind of becomes um, in some ways a. I mean, you can even see it in the, like, you know, there's the big final battle and everybody's running and he's just one of many. He doesn't like do anything with Thanos. He never gets faces off against Thanos again. Like he's just a prop of the science guy. You know, there's nothing to, there's really not a lot to banner in Endgame. He's the, he's the guy who, who runs the time travel machine and they don't do this and do that. And, you know, it's like, it's, he's the, the science guy and I don't know, man. I've really come to enjoy Mark Ruffalo and Banner over the years, and I feel like he got shortchanged, and I was bummed out about that. I will, I will say the uh, it, it could have been a little better, actually. I think if it, just piggybacking on what Rod just said, if if they didn't have him be Smart Hulk and he just was Banner, who hasn't hulked out in five years, he could have still done everything else in that. Um, first probably three quarters of the movie um and then all they would need hulk for is the snap which brought everybody back yeah um and and yeah because literally when uh not to get ahead of ourselves but when we get to the the middle section and he has to try to get the time stone he reverts back to mark ruffalo um or or just banner and yeah i i agree but also I, there's again this part of me that's just like you know it's it is really enjoyable it's really fun it's a new take oh, on the Hulk yeah. and yep. and if they would have added another two minute scene in the first prologue where he you know hashes it out and they they close the the Infinity War loop on that story then sure that would have been better but also would have made the movie longer um, so yeah no, no, and, and I get it you know like uh, ultimately with these things. Like, you know, like you, they always say, you know, kill your babies. And, and that's probably sort of the one thing that kind of happens like in the writing of these things. You kind of have to just kill babies before they're even born, like before they're even even like before something is even pregnant. Like the idea, you know what I mean? It's just like you can't even like there's just too much to 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 so much ground and territory to cover. It just kind of it, like and again, I totally agree with you. I think it's fun. I think it's clever. I think there's really cool things. But um I don't know. I, I just become. I mean, hey, you made me watch twenty-two of these movies. I'm emotionally invested in these characters. Um, you, you made you Marvel did that, you know, by making me watch all these movies and, and things. I'm invested in pretty much almost all of them, and I want to see them have some sort of story and arc and fulfilling thing. And I know that's difficult to do as all these characters that you got to write. But um, yeah, I don't know. Didn't that didn't really work for me. I mean that's it's understandable. I I at least he does get the the glory of bringing everybody back. Um, I mean it's not the most satisfying arc, but at the very least he gets that to do. But um, yeah, no, but I I, I understand that, especially because like you have yes you have all these characters, but this movie really focuses the hardest on six. Like I think yes. I already mentioned, like and yeah. and the yeah, I I do feel like they 
they miss they they just missed one. So I I, I can agree with that. I think all the the stuff with him is fun. I think he's great. But I I I would like as you say it, it didn't really occur to me as I was watching the movie. But as you say it, I think oh he really is kind of shortchanged. So I I would I would be inclined to agree. And and again to anyone listening like. It's not I decided to like, ugh, like I just felt that in the moment. I literally, as soon as I saw Smart, Smart Hulk, I like laughed and frowned at the same time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I immediately went like, oh, wow, that's great. And but shit, you know what I mean? Like, and, sure. and, 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 and so it's not like I'm trying to like nitpick this stuff. It's like, as I'm feeling in, um, but anyhow, is there anything else in the leftovers act like a beat that's very significant enough that we feel like we should mention before we, because Ant-Man actually gets his, like if if there's anyone else who really gets their moment in, in that thing, it's the six and Ant-Man. And I think that's about it. Like some of the others are mentioned and then Captain Marvel conveniently, uh, Captain Marvel conveniently disappears in the leftovers act, which we'll talk about, I guess later. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I know you've got thoughts about that, but I, I, to, to talk about Ant-Man real quick, um, I, I think, I, and I joked about it earlier, but I I honestly believe that if you missed the lowest, one of the lower grossing Marvel movies of the last 10 years, then you will have been very, very confused by that whole Leftovers act. Um, not the time jump, obviously, but, you know, Ant-Man shows up in a van, you know, where'd that van come from? Where was he? What is the quantum realm? Who does he care about? Who's this wasp person? Like, yeah, sure, right. Hope has her moments in the first Ant-Man, but, you know, even the stuff with his daughter is is a huge part of Ant-Man and the Wasp. And if you miss that, then you're like, Cassie, who's Cassie? And then, you know, it's it's there's so much of the movie that, that hinges on just Ant-Man and the Wasp, um, particularly this and then him saying time travel. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't I don't really have anything else in this uh, in the leftovers act uh, to to um, to discuss really. Um, so we, I guess we move on to the Back to the Future portion of the movie, um, which Charles already you know sort of started laying out with Ant Man telling everybody that hey we can we can we couldn't we can go back in time we can go back and try and fix this. Um, which leads into, I think we got a little ahead of it. It leads to Banner attempting to do it and it not working. Tony figuring out the algorithm to do it, being successful. And their plan is to go back and find all six Infinity Stones and bring them back. Um, pinpointing certain spots in time where there are multiple stones at any given time. Which I is the Battle of New York. Um, which... Uh, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but someone's going to have to t- tell me where the Mind Stone came from because, mm. uh, I, and I don't want to nitpick, but as I was going through the movie, I'm like, wait, that's only five. I, I the could, scepter. Is it I the could, scepter? Uh, yeah, it's Loki's okay. scepter. So one is in the scepter, one is in the Tesseract, and one is in uh, the Time Stone, which is in uh, the, the, the Sanctum. Right. Okay. Okay. I didn't know it was the scepter. That's what was confusing me. Okay. okay. Well, Thank the you. color's different. Um, which is, I know this is silly, but it was always something that bugged me: is Loki's scepter's blue, but the Mind Stone's yellow. Um, and it, and in Ultron, um, they break it open and suddenly it's yellow, which is just weird. But anyway. Okay. Cool. That was it's confusing the, me. So Loki's Stone's New York, right? 
There's three yep. stones in New York at the given time. There's one stone in, in Asgard, Asgard and two stones in space. space. <laughs> Just space, gen- one generally is, speaking. One is Morag and Vormir. Morag and Vormir. That's right. There's Morag where Star-Lord uh, gets it. Star-Lord the... Quill at the beginning of that connects to Guardians 1. Yep. And then and, Bormir. And, and Bormir is obviously we've seen already in the last uh, Infinity War movies. Everyone, I think, should understand that. Which I have some thoughts about that scene. I don't know how I feel about that <laughs> that sort of death scene, that sacrifice. I... I yeah. agree with you. I really? agree totally. That's... Yeah. Um, I I was I thought Black Widow of all the six um, got shortchanged the most. I think she had such a strong beginning to the movie, her yeah. assuming the leadership role and everything. And then suddenly, you know, she goes, well, I mean, if you've watched Infinity War, you know what it means when two people go to Vormir, right? So you know that Hawkeye and Black Widow are going there. One of them's going to die. And it just felt as instead of a, a good send off, it was emotional, sure, but it just felt as a, a plot contrivance and not a an appropriate way for her to go. Yeah, it's unsatisfying. We all love that character. She's great. And she's great in that leftovers thing. She's coping. She's trying to do her best. And she's got some great little simple scenes with Cap. They're so connected. And that's the thing. It's the writing does not match the reality. The writing is that Hawkeye and Nat have history and they're best friends and they've been tight forever. But emotionally, we're actually connected to Cap and and Nat. They've got the emotional story. They're the ones that we care about together. The true they've they've had they have history too. And you know, they they've known each other the longest, blah, blah, blah. But it just doesn't work. You know, no, and it, it, that's one of those moments of of convenience, right? Because it's like nobody told them, like we as the audience know, because we watched Infinity War, what's going to happen to go to that spot. But nobody told them that it was going to happen, and it just yeah. so <laughs> happens that the two people who are the closest to one another go together to that one. Like, well, to be <laughs> fair, they, nobody would know, right? No, that's not true. Um, Nebula because knows. Nebula knows. Yeah, I was just say. Uh, yeah, Nebula knows, and, and know so does. Never been there, and she doesn't know what actually happens. She just she... thinks that Thanos killed uh, uh, the uh, his his daughter Gamora. to go to get the stone, but she doesn't know the mechanics of it. She's never been there. No one would ever know the mechanics of Vormir and the 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 death, the the Red Skull, unless you're there. It's like a kind of one time thing. You just you either know it because survive or you don't right i i suppose i just feel like because they even make a point when she explains that section she explains vormir she makes it seem so dark and ominous that uh, ant-man has a funny line where he's like not it and i think that right it would have been better served had they had at least one conversation where somebody said you guys know going here could be you know maybe that's a little too on the nose but just something where these people realize the weight of what they're doing, because otherwise it just felt like, you know, they literally drew the short end of the, you know, the straw. Right. Well, and the thing is, like Nebula, and maybe we already said this, apologies if I glazed over, but she said that in Infinity War, when they fight Thanos on Titan, uh, and she looks over at the gauntlet and says, he has the, um, the, is it Soul Stone? Yeah. Right. He, he has a Soul Stone, like 
she knew what that meant um, when Peter Quill was asking where Gamora was. So she, I, I like, I mean, to Rod's point, I, I agree. Nobody knows the specific mechanics of it, but based on the previous movie, we know that she knows kind of how that has to happen. I, I feel like, so I, I do feel like that. No, I was just about to, I, you know, I was, I actually just watched the soul stone scene again because I was, um, I was doing a little bit of homework tonight with my daughter and showing her scenes that we're going to pay off later to sort of remind her. Um, so we watched some of that scene. And one of the thing is like, even Thanos doesn't know what's going to happen when he gets there. He's surprised by the red skull. He's like, who are you? What are you doing here? What's going on? Like Thanos doesn't even know the rules of Vormir. I, that's fair. I guess that's fair. I didn't even think about that. Um, well, if you've rewatched it as of yeah. today, then like, you probably have the freshest like minutes before we, before we we uh, started okay fair enough i won't argue that if that's the case i'm only well, I, just remembering that line where she she knows something's up when he returns with the soul stone um, well the other thing is like uh, to wrap up i think we've probably talked about vorming here enough i think we can all agree that none of us are very sad it's ending is emotional because it's not and she dies but it's still there's a that nagging feeling right that's like eh. It's not quite right. And she's knocked out of the movie so early and she's gone, right? And she's one of the best original characters and she's like shortchanged and out. Agreed. Right? Uh, and I yeah. feel like, you know, we'll, we'll get to it at the end too. And I know we already debated about that a little bit, but um, she's shortchanged in the finale of the movie too when, yep. when it comes to yep. like the morning. She gets so. no funeral. <laughs> I know. It's, I thought, I th- I, I, we'll get there. We'll get there. But I thought that exact <laughs> same thing when it happened. I'm like, Wait a minute, it's here. Um, yeah. And again, it, that it, that just goes to like a, a co- again a coincidence that those two characters were the ones who went to that. Yeah. To top it off, the last thing I think you're on to something that Nebula knows something that she she doesn't understand the mechanics, but she's smart enough to understand that it's not a good place to go to, and some shit goes down. Um, and but Nebula, when you think about it is pragmatic enough to maybe keep to herself that, you know what, you've got a bigger fucking thing to deal with. And if one of them doesn't, well, you know, that's life. You know, she's, she also, like, it's not like she doesn't have a ruthless, ruthless edge to her or anything. No, no, no or at least not in, uh, <laughs> not in present day anyway, which we'll get to. Um, but yes, no, I, I agreed. I don't think she's ruthless, but just understands you know, given her backstory, given her history, um, sort of the sacrifice that it will take. Um, right. I feel like there's one important thing we need to get to in space, uh, but maybe we double back to set up the other things that happen before we get to that. So they go back to the Battle of New York, and I think, like, that's... I- I'm interested to talk about that, because I think that's where maybe a lot of, like, the tonal whiplash we've been hinting at comes into play. At least it did for me. Just because yeah, it's... And it's a bit of a mess, right? Like, like yes. the whole that whole thing's a mess. And then I think uh, Asgard is is um, like I, I feel like we almost even don't even need to talk about it. It's so insignificant. Um, the, the the thing about Asgard, though, just if we want to just quickly talk about it, the thing I loved the Rene Russo stuff. I thought that was really good. Except uh, we're going to talk about Whiplash. They have this emotional moment. And then she's like, eat a salad. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, 
not a good place for a joke. Like, <laughs> let's, uh, let's, you know, not have that. So that was the only thing that really stuck with me. And I always enjoy um, Rocket and Thor for some reason. I think uh, they're a great pairing. But They are a great pairing. And they do not, they're not special at all in, in Endgame. No, they, not at all. Even though they get to spend time again together, it is like they had never spent time together before. It like it is baffling because they're so good together in Infinity War. And again, different writers. I don't know what's going on. They have like zero chemistry in Endgame it, and they're together for a long time. I, I just do not get it. Is it so could it be? And I don't want to get too off track. Um, and I, I imagine they would have been smart enough to figure this out. But like these movies were shot at the same time and not sequentially. Like, could that yeah. have had something to do with that? Actually, uh, not to, to well actually you, but uh, they they were going to do it at the exact same time. But then they there was a news report that said that they were too overwhelmed by that. So they decided to just uh, shoot Infinity War, take two weeks, then just shoot Endgame. So they were different spots. Oh, they OK. OK. I did yeah. not know that. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's the you. You can't do you. You can only undo so many things. Um, you t- personally, to me, um, nothing matters if you do undo everything, right? Like, mm-hmm. like you, you just then you're setting up a precedent that like any death, anything happens, nothing matters because everything can be undone, which arguably can be even said about this movie because they have time travel now, and they could arguably still use it one day and fucking change everything in this movie. Which makes which means this movie meaningless. But anyhow, it's like, okay, like Ragnarok is. A, uh, I'm gonna try and keep this as brief as possible. Ragnarok is a movie about loss. He loses everything. He loses his father. He loses the brothers three or whatever those people are called. He loses Asgard. He loses his people. He he's just coming off another movie where he just lost his his movie or his mother. Um, he he and then he comes. To, he loses. He's he loses everything and. It's like, and then he loses his hammer. And it's like, but he made a new hammer. Great, he's got a new one. Does he really need to get the old one back? Like, come on! Like, I was. Well, like, yeah, he does, so that we have the moment in the end. Right, right, exactly. So we can have that fan service moment. It's like we he we undo such a powerful thing of having his weapon, which he's already been replaced, and he gets it back. So we can have this. Fan- I just was like, ugh, you don't need the fucking hammer back. You've got your killer new weapon, you know. I don't know. I was irked by that. It's just that it's like, cause you're, it's just setting up more. Like even if, if we, it's like even the, 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 the hammer coming back is another fan service. Like, yay. You know, it's like, like, I don't know. I, that bugged me. And, and then, <laughs> and then Morgo, whatever is pretty pointless. There's nothing really going on there other than the key point that Thanos becomes aware of what they're doing. Right. Makes it become even more, back to the future too nonsensey because it's like it becomes this other third layer of like they're back in time trying to change time and the guy from the past knows that they're here from the future it's just, ugh, what a mess yeah i will say i did enjoy uh it added an extra layer to thanos's um uh mental illness in my mind where he watches himself get decapitated and smiles and says like you know something like that's a job well done or that's destiny for you or something like that where destiny he's just so happy with with fulfilling his destiny that he does not care that he died, um, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, destiny fulfilled. Um, all right, that's that. Let's get <laughs> let's get to the 
Battle of New York thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's and then time travel jump within it. <laughs> oh God. Yes. There is a time jump within a time jump. Okay. We'll get to that. But yeah, this is, this is the stuff that in the, for me personally, with the, there's little tiny moments peppered through it that oh, I yeah. think are enjoyable. It's really yeah. fun, right? Like yes. there's tons cool things throughout but it's also kind of a fucking big mess it is a huge mess i mean because this is this is the most obvious of the you know the sort of the back to the future too as you mentioned because the group of characters who go back to new york are the mostly the people who lived it the first time so they have to do the the marty mcfly don't go talk to your past self we have to avoid that so they do like all the little clever blocking to do all that and so you have like three sections you have them trying to get the both the tesseract and the scepter, which is yeah. that scene riddled with fan service. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like those the callbacks. Is, the whole thing is massive callbacks and massive fan service everywhere. Right? Oh, absolutely. To, to specific moments to Winter Soldier. Robert Redford shows back up. Cap gets in the elevator with like Frank Grillo and all those characters. And you think yeah. that, oh, that's he's going to throw that, down again. Space is fun. It's clever. It's neat, but it's it, it's it just becomes so much. It's so it becomes tiresome because it's there like every three seconds. It is, and it's it's just and, and again because it's so it's so close plot wise to this movie that you know everybody knows. It, it's it just it feels again it feels stale. I, I I think that's the word. Like as as fun as it is, as some of that's like fan servicey stuff is how enjoyable some of the re- interactions are seeing other characters again it's really nice but it's just like it's like this is the best you could come up with like for yeah, well, <laughs> i almost feel like there should be a version of endgame that is this that is the like the fan version and then there should be endgame that's like okay now give me the real movie like stop fucking around with all this bullshit about calling back to every fucking movie and every <laughs> moment wink and do this this is the dvd version for the fans cool they get that. Now can you give me the real fucking movie and tell the story emotionally? And, Are you and, saying that we got the Snyder cut and you wanted the WB cut? Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> we got we got the Snyder cut. We got we got we didn't get the the the, the, the studio version. And that's kind of like like would have been the real deal. Like we got the fucking like oh god. That's shit. <laughs> Yes. So there's, uh, um, and so, I, oh, I, I will ahead, say the, the, the reason why I dislike the battle for New York part, uh, specifically, and this is probably if there is one weak moment in the movie for me, this is all of it because it's so contrived. They, they set up these, these rules about time travel. They tell you they've got just enough pin particles for round trip and one test run. And then they go and, and just for fun, I suppose, they have the whole thing where Tony messes up and loses the Tesseract, and then they have to then invent a way to have more pin particles, which it's almost, it made me think of like, you know, a, if you have a genie and you wish for more wishes, suddenly they are like, oh, but wait, we can go back and get more pin particles. And then suddenly it's like, you know, then what are we doing? Like, okay, you just go back to 1970 at the beginning, like... Uh, I don't know. It just it didn't make sense. It felt as if they were trying to shoehorn so much stuff into one little moment. Let's have them go back to 1970. But also we got to call back to the Avengers. And then also we need to have Doctor Strange. And then it it just yeah, it was it was a lot. And then, of course, like you said, the Winter Soldier, we got to have Cap versus Cap. It was just it was so much that just didn't need to be there. 
Yeah, it's it's like so dense. It is exactly like Back to the Future 2, a movie that I can't stand because it, it's so fucking dense. And so like all this, this and this and that and callbacks to this. And, and it's like it's so it becomes unenjoyable. Um, it, it's so silly. And, uh, you know, then they I guess they go, what is the thinking there really? Like we got to get the pin particle sort of like because they didn't have to write it like that. But no, we need to go back to 70s so Cap can look at. Penny Peggy Carter one more time, and so Stark, Stark has, yeah, he can meet Howard Stark and have a kind of like. Do they feel like we need another Tony, like sort of soulful Tony beat to kind of like to prep us for his death, so he gets to say goodbye to his dad one more time, like and have this moment that he never was able to really have in real time. So it's like it's almost like a a pre send off for Tony Stark in a way, you know. But it's like. Doesn't none of that stuff really works either, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, actually, I, I disagree. I think the the 1970s stuff is actually really great. I I will say they didn't need to have the whole subplot with uh, the people from Community, uh, the woman from Community who's like you know in the elevator with them and then rats them out, and that ultimately leads to nothing. Um, but yeah. uh, I enjoyed the Stark Howard talking to Tony stuff. I think that it got paid off in the end where. Howard says, you know, I'll do anything for my kid. And Howard says, uh, you know, like, uh, I forget. Oh, he says, you know, it's my own self-interest is is always getting ahead of me or something to that effect. And and that, of course, pays off the very end when Tony makes the sacrifice. But uh, and then the cap with the Peggy Carter stuff obviously gets paid off as well. I think that the the work around. Feels, to, yeah, it just feels shoehorned in there. Yeah, really. I just think the work around to get there was completely unnecessary and it was just because it was like hey wouldn't it be cool if cap fought cap wouldn't it be cool if we call back to the elevator scene wouldn't it be cool if we have iron man watching the big pose off scene from the end of avengers it was just it was it, it was just a lot hits, greatest hits wish fulfillment yeah like, like let's tickle the fans like 50 times over in the middle of this and it's like you know I, i'm okay if you do like I don't know, maybe two of those, but like, God, it just becomes so much. And, uh, I don't know. It's just, and and then again, then I've got another like bad taste in my mouth. And it's like the second time that I've got this really like, Oh, what the fuck is going on in this movie? Absolutely. Also, I I don't mean to nitpick too, but, um, and, and maybe I, I missed something here, but like how, how did they know exactly at that time that Hank Pym is working for <laughs> that? Like, that's that's the thing. It's like they don't really know him all that well. Uh, I mean, maybe Tony does, I guess. But, like, uh, uh, that's just reeked of they, they commit a cardinal sin of writing, in my mind. Because having seen it once, the first time I glossed over it because it happened so quickly. And it's just, it's a lot, you know? But the second time, I, I was really listening to that conversation between him, uh, Tony and Cap when... They're they're talking around it, right? So they're saying like we need to go back to this state. And Cap says, "Well, how do you know that they're both there?" And Tony says, "I don't, but I know what I know," or something to that. Where it's he never explains it, and you're just supposed to trust that Tony somehow has this magical idea that this state in 1970 will have the Tesseract at Shield. Wait, so are they going back for the? Are they going back for both? Or the Tesseract? Yeah. Well, that's, that's right. A, but they actually, and then they, they end 
getting more pim particles while they're yeah there. so they knew that, that they only that's that's what i'm saying it's so contrived because they knew that they only had enough pim particles to get to 1970 so they had to steal pim particles and get the tesseract so that they could come back to the present day and they knew somehow knew that there was going to be pim particles there, or was that just a, like a convenient that's a convenient writing thing that cap literally says how do you know that they're both there and tony says i don't know for certain but i'm positive of what i know or something he talks around it where it's you know it's you just trust that tony knows and you have to live with it oh boy yeah that's that's <laughs> just, that is just the the part of the movie that just doesn't yeah. work for me doesn't work for me see and that like and i would uh, like and to to reiterate that point i would have never known that in the moment but subconsciously i knew something was off like now you've explained it to me but, you know, people do work consciously and subconsciously as an audience. Like, like oh, this is something that doesn't feel right, you know? And now you've explained to me why, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. It no. took – that was the, the second viewing um, really hammered that home because, it, like you said, the first time I watched it, I was like, why are we going to 1970? How are there – you know, you, you ask these questions because you're confused, genuinely confused. But then, you know, it happened so fast it's over before you know it. But then – the, the second watch, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm really going to try to figure this out. And it left me with even more questions. So everybody kind of comes. Oh, I guess the last part of it is um, the sanctum. And I'm going to go on a little tangent here. And <laughs> it's, you know, okay, here's my, I'll try and keep this brief. The sanctum. So Bruce Banner goes to the sanctum. But Bruce Banner has been to the sanctum before, right? He, yep. Yeah, he, he knows the address. Yeah, that's why they send him there. Bruce Banner also knows of another guy who's been there. He also, he also had the technology in the Avengers headquarters to see who's dead and who's not. And there's this guy named Wong who's still alive. That if I were going back in time in this dangerous unknown X thing that who knows if you come back or whatever, I would probably go to the sorcerer and say, hey, man, I'm actually going to go back in time to your sanctum to get the time stone. I think you should come with me because that would probably be a lot fucking helpful. Like I'm just some random dude who's been there once. I think you probably, you're a sorcerer. Yeah. I think you would know something about this. You come with me on this mission. Oh God. And, I didn't even think about this. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, like again, like right in the moment, not like, it's not something I'm overanalyzing. I'm just thinking like, wait, they're going to the sanctum. And Wong is alive? Like, if Wong was dead, he, he was uh, 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 evaporated, then that would make sense. But he's actually alive, and they actually put there on the posters and stuff. So why wouldn't you have brought him in? Like, that just, like, I don't want to say plot hole because it's not technically a plot, plot hole. And I hate when people use that term. But it just felt like a kind of obvious one to me. Like, Bruce Banner is a smart fucking guy, right? We know him essentially the second most smartest guy in the MCU after – Tony, maybe well, Shuri's are obviously maybe arguably smarter than both of them, but but like men, I guess, like but he would have, you know what I mean? He he would have not let that one just drop the chance. So well, and, that sort of was annoying to me. Um, and, and my 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 other complaint, I I will piggyback on that is even if you get past that, his idea is to go to the ancient one and threaten her. It just doesn't make sense. Um, he's like, well, I'm not asking. I'm going to take it. And you know, it's like, what? That's not Bruce Banner. But, uh, yeah, it, it's not a strong point of the movie for sure. No. No, no, it's and not. Then, 
and then from there they all fucking might figure out their stones and and my one question again is this is a this is not a nitpick but more of like a, an actual thing it's like so in new york when tony and 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 and, and steve go to uh back to 1970s does ant-man just go back to present day from new york yeah yes he does because he still has a pim particle they, i think yeah and they gave him the scepter oh so he takes the scepter back mm-hmm. so okay. okay yeah so is there anything else in the back to the future part two section that uh that we missed <laughs> before moving on to the sort of the the return of the king-esque finale no, but they do. I guess they, yeah, they get all the stones, right? Yeah, they, they do get all the stones. The only thing, which again, if you're listening to this, you've seen the movie, so we don't like necessarily need to explain plot. But the only thing we didn't mention is uh, the bad nebula comes back, and the good nebula is still in the lodge, essentially. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so oh yeah, yeah. They they switch them. They switch them. Yeah, they do. Yeah. So, but again, if you're listening to this, you've you've seen the movie at this point. So they get the stones. They put it in a... That's not another layer that totally can fucking confuse. Yes, that's <laughs> true. So they get the stones, and they put it in uh, an Iron Man glove. Banner puts it on, uh, snaps it simultaneously while Nebula is trying to open the time gate. Uh, the bad Nebula, anyway. Um, and I think the snap, the reverse snap, is like... I would argue it's both poignant and then another whiplash moment. It's like they just did all this wacky stuff to get the stones and then they, yeah, yeah. and then just like the snap the first time, it's like, there's just sense of quiet and then Hawkeye's phone rings and it's his wife calling him and you get that sense that people are back. But then all of a sudden time gate opens, Thanos ship comes in, destroys Avengers HQ. And then it's just like, just disorienting i will say though as as far as uh story structure that may not be you know the best however when you watch it especially for the first time that is perhaps one of the biggest oh shit moments of the entire movie and both crowds i saw it with the press screening and the regular crowd on opening night they just lost it when you see the explosions on avengers it's just gasps gasps all around and and so on a purely like visceral level i think it works yeah i mean i I don't know (laughs) at this point in the movie i'm just like wow and then the fucking uh, which i call like the bazooka of shooting everything that they possibly ever had in the mcu at the screen at one time and it's just (laughs) return of the kings or return of the king lord of the rings fucking epic on top of epic on top of epic and then throw in like the end of like ready player one with like all the nonsense that's barfed up everywhere and oh. it's just uh, oh damn it i wish you didn't mention that i didn't yeah. think about that movie uh, oh. i was literally just thinking that ryan i was just like oh man he mentioned ready player one and i wasn't even remembering that movie but you know yeah and that ending thing is ridiculous right it I mean, is. it is. You have, like, every, but you have the entire Wakandan army, and you have Valkyrie riding a Pegasus. And yeah, you have... It is just fucking supernova overkill. And I know you got to bring people back, and I know you got to do all that stuff, but it is, um, it just becomes, uh, um, it's like two Deus Ex Machinas on top. 
You got the Deus Ex Machina of everybody coming back, and then you got our favorite Deus Ex Machina coming back of the girl who went into outer space to get a brand new haircut. <laughs> I know you. I was waiting for the haircut mention. Um, yeah, I here's what I'll say about about the post snap explosion. Avengers is a mess thing. It is great in that it sets up Thor, Captain America, and Iron Man versus Thanos. Um, without the Infinity Stones. So you get to see this pretty great fight, which leads to, of course, the big, big fan service moment, perhaps the biggest pop you hear in the crowd the whole movie, which is Cap gets the uh, Thor's hammer. And from there, it's it's actually pretty good. I, I enjoy that moment specifically as a fan, and I enjoyed the fight between the three guys and, and Thanos. Um, and, and I will say that I really enjoyed the fact that... Uh, you know, the stakes are raised so much because you see Cap with Thor's hammer, with his shield, still get the snot kicked out of him. His shield's in, in, in half, broken in half, and he still gets up, which I think is a great moment. And then, of course, you get Sam on the uh, the radio saying, you know, Cap, are you there? Cap, are you there? Which, again, is, is, a, is a big moment. Um, but, yeah, it does quickly devolve into just uh, just madness. Um, pandemonium yeah but they're but scattered through there are some really great moments right like i again i would say great moments you would say fan service but you know there's lots of little great but the whole movie's full of a lot of little great moments but that's like if you don't give me like a then it's like it, it because it's a big fucking mess it's three different movies it's four different movies it's got all these fucking tones it's all over the fucking map and it's yeah, it's got so much fun stuff that I literally just want to watch on YouTube as a scene or or, or two. But like, oh, and then and then you got this fucking climax that is just fucking like I can't get emotionally connected to anything because it's just fucking super overkill of like insanity. You know, there's some stuff, some good stuff peppered in throughout. You know, some of the the cap Tony. Thor versus, you know, they're finally getting their moment, the big three again, you know, they're the first three that fought off in Avengers 1, you know, um, they had that first big battle when they were trying to get Loki in Avengers 1, and it sort of harkens back to that a little bit, them working together, and, but I don't know, the, the Thor, Cap gets the hammer, it's just so fan service, it, it, actually, I don't enjoy it. It, it, and then it just devolves into crazy chaos, you get a cool Spider-Man moment in there um, with Tony, which does work. It's the best. It's probably the best moment of that fight. Um, you know, the hug, like that's the, <laughs> and it's one of the very few payoffs of, of infinity war. It's like really weird to me that there's not that many, you know, you just set up the first half and I don't know. So you get that at least you get the cute Captain Marvel moment with him, but that's meaningless because it doesn't really mean it. And, and it's like, I, I do think the, 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 uh, taking off of the gauntlet and trying to make sure Thanos doesn't get it from Hawkeye. It's like a, it's a rally race, Hawkeye, black, a uh, black Panther to Spider-Man. I think that on its own as just an action sequence is really cool. I really enjoyed that. I thought that was really thrilling, but it's really hard for me to, hold on to anything emotionally and i would argue if you rewatched the um lord of the rings uh final battle that there are more emotional moments 
in that like genuine emotional moments that you can ha- that, that you can cling to than there are in this because I don't think there are very many at all except for maybe you know Tony's death and and the hug. Well, I think I think the flaw actually is just something that just is unavoidable, which is you bring back all of these people, um, which is just pretty much everybody, and suddenly you know that none of these people are going to get killed, right? Like they're not going to bring Spider-Man back just to kill him. Same with Black Panther. Same with you know all these other characters, even like Valkyrie, right? Like she shows up, and you know, like they're not going to just put her on a Pegasus just to kill her. Yeah. And. And and so the stakes just aren't there. It's spectacle for sure, and it's probably the best superhero fight scene, uh, pure spectacle wise, that you'll ever see. Um, but yeah, you really the moments that that make it for me super enjoyable. I I I will say I enjoy Cap with the the hammer. I maybe that's just because I am a fanboy, but that I really like. Also, I enjoy the hug with with Peter Parker and Tony Stark. I enjoy the relay race. I enjoy. Um, the very end where, you know, of course, uh, Tony gets his hero moment. Um, and I think that all those are great, but yeah, it's the, the fluff around it is very, um, distracting. It's, it's impressive on a technical level. Um, it really is the sort of Marvel studios just putting it all out there saying like, look at what, look what we can do. Um, nobody else can do it. It's it's a living breathing splash page, yeah, for, like, for sure. For, for like thirty minutes, yeah, and it's, yeah. it's 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 pretty much. I mean, I I have nothing to add to that. That what you guys haven't already <laughs> said, other than I think there's just there's both awesome and exhausting moments in equal measure in that that sequence. Um, I do agree. I don't think there's as many emotional resonant moment resonant moments as like something like Return of the King. It continues problems that we talked about earlier in the movie of, like, undercutting things with a joke. Um, Like, for example, we have uh, the scene where um, Gamora is back from back in time because she was on Thanos' ship. It's not the Gamora that was thrown off at at Bormir. Um, And then Peter Quill reunites with her and, and she just knees him in the groin. And it's like, oh, okay, that could have been like kind of a poignant moment, but then it's undercut by a joke. Like it's it's things like that that the I feel like also happen quite a bit. But I agree with the cat or not the cap, excuse me, the uh, Tony Peter Parker hug. And I agree, I think Tony's sacrifice is uh, is strong. And I do think that's like one of the one of the stronger things that was paid off from Infinity War and arguably from the entire series, which because I mentioned in that review. Tony has had visions of this happening throughout the series. He's had yeah. the visions of Thanos coming. And then I mentioned that also at the end of the review that uh, when the snap happened on Titan, that hit like other than Nebula, he's the only one left to live with the fact that he saw this coming and couldn't do anything to do about it. So the fact that he has the opportunity to rewrite his wrong is it's strong. Like it, it does outshine. I think a lot of the, fluffy fan servicey stuff in that moment like it, it's a strong enough moment but i think in retrospect yes there are these things that just don't quite work i'm curious what you guys think about the i am iron man callback um the first time i saw it it, it was kind of meh for me and the second time i just i didn't really enjoy it um but when he snaps right before he says i am iron man it just it didn't make sense to me so i'm curious what, what you guys thought of that i don't even remember what is it when okay, so Thanos says, you know, I am inevitable, and he snaps his fingers, nothing happens, 
and you realize that Tony has all the stones and he's making a new gauntlet on his armor. And right before he snaps his fingers, he says, I am Iron Man, you know, just like he does at the very end of the first movie. Mm. And and then, you know, he saves the day. It was like this moment where I think it was supposed to be a much more emotional moment that I don't think really worked. Yeah, I mean, already it just sounds like fan service and that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, clearly it didn't work for you. You didn't even remember it. So, but yeah, I I liked I liked it. I'll say I I liked that. I don't uh, I don't have a particular um, again I don't have a particular grievance on that because it's like what else? I mean, I guess maybe they could have thought of something else, but. Um, as a big fan of the first Iron Man, probably one of my favorite MCU movies, I'm like, oh, okay, that's a nice little callback. So I was I was okay with that. Um, and then, uh, well, I guess the only thing left to talk about... Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Ryan. I just wanted to, uh, Ryan, what do you think? Because you've been hinting at it throughout the whole time. What do you think of the Deus Ex Machina? <laughs> uh, okay, well, I haven't really said this anywhere because it's just like, because I, I, I hate the toxic discourse surrounding all the captain marvel stuff number one i hate it as a story element because when you introduce a character that powerful like now it's there now it's in the universe and now you have to deal with that and it's just it's not interesting i actually think i hadn't seen the movie yet but i think rod you and i talked about that at south by a little bit like just like it's just not interesting i finally watched captain marvel i and you know what if it was a better movie and a character I liked more then maybe I'd be able to forgive it from a, you know, bad writing perspective, bad, like in this movie, but like, I don't like that movie very much. I don't think that character fits in with these characters all that much. Uh, Mm. and it's just kind of like, uh, okay. Like we knew that was going to happen and it's just, and it's convenient. It's just way too convenient. That's like, Oh, okay. I'm going to leave for most of the movie because I have a thousand other plans to take care of. Um, and then, Oh, okay. Oh, crap. Now I got to go back to this place. It's just like they could have used her help the whole time. So it just, uh, it just, it does, it, that doesn't work. None of that stuff works in this movie yeah. for me. Yeah. Uh, it is, a, it is a problem, right? Like it's, it's the, the problem that will plague the, the future of the MCU, which is every movie will be, well, where's Captain Marvel, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's something that will, it's, yeah. I mean, in the first Ant Man, they always joke, like, well, why don't we call the Avengers, right? And that's the the big joke is they always have to justify why you don't call the Avengers. This one moving forward will be why don't we call Captain Marvel? Um, because yeah, they they have yet to give her anything that really tests the limit of her power, except what? for getting punched with the power stone. But even then, it's just you know a momentary thing. Yeah, and 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 like where do you go from here? We've just seen this character, like we pretty much know that nothing's more powerful than her. Than except for maybe Thanos, and she kind of beats the shit out of Thanos anyhow. He beats her up, but like, uh, yeah, it's like so she can beat up everything now. What are the stakes now that she can just destroy? Like, like I, I would almost be like if I were one of the Avengers, like Rhodey or something. I'd be like, why do I need to bother doing anything? Just get her to do it. Yeah, it's you know? like that. It's like that gonna, scene in in Infinity War at the end when Wanda has to go down and help and and. Uh, um... Okoye is like, why wasn't she there? Why was she up there the whole time? Yeah, exactly. But at least there was a specific reason for that, right? Which was by, like, you know, you know, vision. That that, that makes, there's some sense to that. 
Whereas, essentially, I mean, like, what are you going to do? Like, does every next movie has has to be Galactus versus Captain Marvel, and the other Avengers are sort of like, I don't know, break blowing up the the, the random ships or whatever he has. Like, it's nothing's going to make any sense, or and there's going to be no stakes or anything because, like, or they're just going to have to send. It's like you don't write characters this powerful for this reason because then they become completely dull and boring. And it doesn't help that this character is already written pretty dull and boring. And um, well, she doesn't have the flaw, right? Like even Superman has kryptonite. She has. We have yet to to see her flaw. Uh, in the first movie, it's it's uh, you know a, a chip in her neck or whatever. But in uh, in this, she's just completely powered up. Everything she does is is so powerful. She again as she does in captain marvel she punches holes in ships she you know can just do everything and it, you're right the stakes aren't there it's it's they're gonna have to come up with some reason um that she's not in any future team-up movies or if she is then she's sidelined some reason and then uh, in her own movie which is probably the bigger problem is what what will she possibly be able to face in her own movie that will make it yeah. you know relevant yeah, and 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 does and okay in her own movie, she's probably gonna have to be off in space or somewhere doing something thing, and it's like they're gonna like you're gonna have to pull out every gigantic big bad ever to to face her because we already know that she can basically beat everything except for Thanos, and maybe if that fight would have gone on, she would have beat him herself. Sure, I have, man, I didn't even you brought up Galactus, I didn't even think about that, and that. <laughs> Where another character ends up at the end of the movie, which we'll get to, the second most powerful character anyway, I feel like that might be the next logical step. I don't know. I'm not going to speculate about that, but that that actually, now that you mention it, that seems plausible. Well, that's that's another thing about this movie. They the I love the fact that this is much more of an ending to the franchise than I was expecting. I you know they kept talking about it being a true end, but. They really do. Like, if you just stopped watching Marvel movies right now, you'd be okay. Um, but what they what they do is by doing that, they threw everything out there. They left nothing on on the yeah. just everything's there. So how do you do another Avengers movie after this? It's 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 very difficult. You almost have to do Galactus or something just so ridiculous that it justifies its existence. Well, let's get to the epilogue, and then maybe we can speculate a little bit. Yeah. I think we have lots of ideas about, if we're not too long, about what happens from here. Because um, I've thought about that a lot. But I guess we should talk about the epilogue. I mean, I, I don't know how much. I, I, I think you, I, I guess from what I probably heard before, it sounds like you guys are are, are very satisfied how, with those how how those ended. I am. I'm, I'm sad. Well, go ahead. Oh no, sorry. I, I'll, I'll, okay, I'll go ahead. Um, I am mostly satisfied because, as as I mentioned, I think the, I think the Tony Stark arc is really effective. Uh, I think that uh, you know that pays off really well. I think it's a really emotional scene. It is. It's both emotion. I'll say the funeral is both emotional and like moderately unintentionally comical because I'm not sure everybody who attended it knew Tony Stark necessarily, but. I get it symbolically. I think it works uh, as a send off. I think that, um, well, I, actually, I'll not get to Cap's art quite yet. Thor were hinted at maybe joining the Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy are probably my personal favorite, uh, like 
sub-series of this series, so I am, um, I'd be on board that, so that is a possibility, um, which is why I thought Galactus could be it, because if you have Thor going to space and you have Captain Marvel attacking space, then yeah, that, that's something that could happen. Um, and then you get to, as we already mentioned, I think Nat's arc is a little short-changed at the end. They mention her, but it's like Tony gets this big old funeral send-off. She kind of gets nothing. That's disappointing. That's the only thing that's not satisfying. And I think Caps is... I, I was pretty satisfied with that. Um, I'm actually shocked because I really thought he was the one who would die in battle. Um, but I think... I really think like giving him that you know that second chance to live the life that he didn't get to is... is I, I don't know. It's really strong. Um, and clearly because these same screenwriters did work on the first Captain America. So they've been with this character since the beginning. Um, so I was, I was pretty satisfied with how that ended uh, overall. Yeah, I agree. I, I think uh, the Tony funeral scene is actually pretty good. Um, I was very happy that they even brought the kid from Iron Man three back. Uh, I, they don't mention him by name. They don't make a big show of it, but he's there, which is kind of neat. Um, I, I enjoy seeing everybody in one place just as a fan. I think it's pretty cool. Uh, the, the Nat thing again, yep, short change. They just mention her. They're like, oh, man, sucks that she's dead, huh? And you're like, yeah, I guess so. And then the uh, the Thor thing uh, kind of bothered me a little bit just because that felt a little bit like uh, place setting for the future, um, whereas none of the rest of it did. This felt like, hey, guess what? Thor might be part of the Guardians. Yeah, and post credits, it's not in the post credits. Yeah, it's just it's it it just didn't feel right. And then, uh, even though I do I do agree that the idea of Thor with the Guardians is is actually pretty funny. I think him and Chris Pratt really do play well off each other. Um, even though I don't know if that could sustain a whole movie, but uh, nevertheless, I really really liked what they did with Cap. Um, I I agree. I thought he was going to die. I thought the Going into it, that was the the most satisfying way to end it would be for Cap to make the ultimate sacrifice. But they did something I think that's even actually better, which is give him, you know, his life that he was robbed of. Um, Even though, not to nitpick, we got to talk about the the time travel aspect of that. I don't know if it completely makes sense, but, you know, whatever. Um, And, yeah, I I, overall I enjoyed the epilogue as a, a true you know, end of the the series. I think the epilogue um, works. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. I mean, my problem is that like I've been through such a roller coaster of like an up and down movie that like it doesn't work as emotionally as it as well as it maybe could have. Like like on its own, it's very good, but because I've had such a clunky experience by the time I get there, that I'm not as you know what I mean emotional as they might be um i do think the 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 cap the i the the tony one is very good um i think it's it's um very well told i like the way that he narrates the ending which is sort of a bit of a i like i like these kind of callbacks tony narrates the ending of iron man 3 too Mm -hmm. Um, yeah um and um uh and and he sort of like wraps up the story kind of reminds you in this sort of like kind of clever kind of um uh what's that writer's name um the way he kind of does stuff it's just sort of his approach and um um uh, shane black 
Yeah, Shane Black, thank you. And so it's it's slight it feels like slightly like a bit of a like a, a callback to Iron Man three in a in a subtle proper callback way in my mind. Um, so I think that works really well. And um, Caps is kind of uh, it's more clunky to me because he comes back, and of course the age makeup is w- slightly weird. So I'm I'm not really in, fully in, enjoying the moment. I'm like what? Like and then he's old. His voice is. Uh, I'm like you know I'm trying to like love this moment because we're saying goodbye to my favorite character um but it's a little clunky um and it doesn't quite like I, I, you know they kind of, they get they they give the the whole thing to really to tony and i think it's because tony is um you know it all started with him it all started with iron man he's the first one he he made or break that series you know they've said many times if iron man would have failed that would have been it you know um and so they i guess they feel like they have to end it on him and and i guess technically they don't they technically do end it on cap but like you know they to me they they give they give the end to tony and to me personally cap is the heart and soul of the mcu um, he always has been. He, he, he just feels like the, the real, um, the real one, and he doesn't quite get it. It's sort of like I feel like his epilogue is an afterthought to Tony's epilogue. Um, he gives the shield to Falcon, and Falcon doesn't feel like the right choice because Bucky feels the, like the better choice. So that puts a weird taste in my mouth, and and then it just ends. He's with Peggy, and I'm like, okay, that's cool. He got to live his life, but. Man, that was really a mixed bag. That's how it kind of ends for me. I will say I I enjoyed, even though it may not make the most sense given the films, I did enjoy Sam getting the shield. Um, I think as a potential future for the franchise, that works the best because I think Anthony Mackie is uh, just a better all-around performer than Sebastian Stan. So I, I like the idea of him kind of perhaps leading the franchise. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. The, the stuff with Cap is I was I was I didn't get taken out of it with his voice or the makeup or, or even giving it to Sam the shield. I, I think the part that took me out of it was um, we we literally the scene before get him sent off back in time with very clear instructions. You got to return all these stones. And then he just magically shows up, not wearing the time travel suit. So you got to assume he's, you know, whatever. He's just wearing his clothes. Maybe he was sitting there the entire time. I don't know. But the whole logic of it didn't make much sense. And, and that kind of threw me for a loop. I'll say I didn't think about that or nitpick about it or anything. Or it didn't even occur to me. It just, I just, just for just weird, weird reasons, it just doesn't quite, it just doesn't have the emotional resonance that I wanted. Um, I really love Cap. I don't really feel like he really gets his due in this movie, and it really bums me out. Would you have rather he died? Um, not necessarily. I just need um, something, you know, like the kind of, uh, you know, his arc is best represented. It, it it starts in Winter Soldier. There's a great line between him and Nick Fury. I can't remember it, but it's about surveillance. Um, it's a really key moment in, in Cap's story. Um, you know, he's the guy who would jump on the grenade for everybody, um, and and then it and then it culminates in Civil War, essentially, which is like, you know, sometimes you do 
sometimes a hero has to make the hard choices. Sometimes you have to do the unpopular thing. You have to break up the band. You have to do all these things that nobody likes, but it's because it's what's right. You know, nobody wants to like, and, and, and he just makes that hard choice. And I just feel like that's such a big part of civil war. And I feel like that has to pay off somewhere. And I don't feel like it does. Like, I don't know how you, how you do that. Like, but it, it doesn't. And, um, I don't know. It just doesn't, uh, it didn't feel right. That's fair enough. I just, I, you know, I, I think at this point, the Russos are just trying to tell the end of their cap story, which is he's with Peggy and they had to figure out a way for him to be with Peggy and, you know, and to then simultaneously the hand the shield off. It's like they, tr- they, they have to like, it's a, it's probably a logistical writing nightmare, you know? Like you've got to, um, you know, you got to land all these people in all these places. You got to land this ship in, and you got so many characters and so many things. Like, I don't want to complain about it too much, but like, I really wish Tony and uh, Doctor Strange would have resolved their thing. You know, Tony's even a dick to him in the thing. Like, I hope you're fucking right, dude. Like, it's like <laughs> nothing. You know, like he's like really the guy just came back after five years. Like, I would have loved just one kind of thing about, like, you know, these guys hated each other. And, but, you know, Tony's recognized what Strange did, right? He, he understands now. Um, Strange is recognizing what Tony's doing. And it would have been really just like a nice one beat that's like a recognition. I think that's a perfect re- resolution to the, to, the, to the arc of those two, which I think is really important in, in, these, in Infinity War and, and, and you know, like they just they couldn't even do that, and it's like all these little things that like, eh, I, I it's it's really hard, you know. But I don't know. So usually so good about this kind of stuff, and um, so yeah, it just kind of all becomes slightly dissatisfying to me. It just adds up to all this stuff. And I mean, fuck, <laughs> you could take me out of the equation and just listen to what you guys said about the things you found off. <laughs> There's a lot of fun stuff that, that's like that, that, that kind of adds up to it. Like if you were grading this movie based on just everything you guys pointed out, like I probably as a professor wouldn't be giving this movie anything higher than a B minus just based on everything you guys said. Oh, no. I, yeah. I And I said that straight up, at least in mine. I think like, again, enjoyment – factor was higher but as if i'm breaking down like the the sheer like problematic mechanics of the movie I, I, it's a b it's a b minus like at 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 best the it gets the mileage it gets is based on the characters we love and the joy that the movie brings through a lot of it but there's yeah there's no denying that it's a it's a pretty pretty sloppy movie at times yeah i i will i will echo that and say I personally, I love so many of these moments, like, just they hit me hard. I got emotional quite a bit during this movie. And it's difficult for me to divorce those feelings from the idea of like, you know, there's plot holes, whatever you call them, there time travel snafus, there's all this other stuff that if you want to get granular about it, and, and I'm not even saying that that's wrong, or that's nitpicking. But if you view it, as if this was not the 22nd movie in the MCU, if this was just, you know, some studio releasing a superhero movie, there are a lot of problems. But 
it's hard to to look at it objectively and not factor in your personal feelings. The 21 movies before it, um, everybody's going to have a, probably a different moment where they're going to be like, if that was it for me. And, and because of that, it's, it's, you know, you can't, you can't really grade it on a normal scale in my mind. Um, so, yeah, it reminds me a lot in that way. Um, and I just now thought of this. Uh, it reminds me a lot of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows part two of like how it's difficult. Like that movie also, because it's a part two, it's, 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 uh, it's there in the title. It's one book split into two movies. Um, and it is also kind of a sloppy movie, but it's like, you also can't, it's, it's difficult if you care about the story and you care about the characters to kind of separate yourself from that. Like you have to look at the two sides of like how it's, uh, achieved and how it, uh, how you feel about it. And I think that's, it's very similar with this movie. Yeah, I agree. And, and I, I wrote this in the review where the, for the entire year, um, even before infinity war was out, but definitely in the year between infinity war and Endgame, whenever you heard the Russos or Kevin Feige talk about Endgame, they were like, the reason why it's not a part two is these are two very distinct movies. When in actuality, this is a part two. This is so much of a part two that it's, you know, it is very much like the end of Hunger Games, the end of Twilight, the end of Harry Potter, where this isn't a complete story. There are a lot of stories told, but you're not going to be satisfied if you were just to watch this movie. Um, but again, as you just mentioned, you, you can't, uh, at least I can't take myself away from the fact that I enjoyed the first 21 movies. I have deep affection for these characters and... You know, there's so much payoff, um, even if it is just overt fan service that, you know, it, it to me is ultimately a very enjoyable movie. Everything you're explaining there is, is why it doesn't work for me. Because I care about this character so much that I expect more. Yeah, I'm seeing it again tomorrow and I'm hoping I'm hoping I don't have like such a strong reaction to it. Like Again, I know that like it must sound like super nitpicking, but like this, it, like I'm sort of in real time unpacking how I felt from every little moment, and there's a lot of moments that feel like pretty off to me, you know. Sure. Like, and, and it's the thing like this. Nat is a perfect example. When Nat dies in this movie, I am crying. I recognize this doesn't really work that well. Yeah. <laughs> you know? it- like it's possible to have those two distinct feelings at the same time. And that's a lot of this movie. I think as we pretty much exemplified through this entire discussion of like, Oh, I'm feeling this emotion because I, you know, have come to love these characters, but also, Oh, there's something off about that as well. So it's, if, if this podcast has proven anything, it's a movie where you could tell me that you loved it and think it's the greatest thing ever. I would see what you're saying. And you could tell me that it's a mess and you absolutely didn't enjoy it. And I'd be like, yeah, that's fair too. You know, it's not, it's definitely not the best movie, but it's definitely not a terrible movie. And it is the ultimate, you know, sort of your mileage may vary movie for me. I, I think it's also, I kind of slightly disagree with you that you said it was a part two. I really don't think of it is. I think like my problem with it is that I really enjoyed Infinity War, watched it a bunch, really, um, you know, saw all these things that I thought they're going to pay off and do. And it's actually, uh, rather than the second part of Infinity War or closing the Infinity War story, it's actually just in clo- closing the MCU. 
So in so many ways, it just like drops and abandons and forgets what happens in Infinity War, uh, other than some of the plot stuff, and really tries to like, cl- like rather than tell the second part of that story, it really just it's more geared towards closing like the entire story of the MCU. Yeah, no, I in my review, I literally have a line where I say this is very much a part two and then in parentheses I put or part 22 because it is very much part 22 in what you're saying that it, it wraps up a, a much larger story. But where I'm saying that it's it's a, not a complete movie is that if you were to watch Avengers and then Avengers Age of Ultron, those are two completely different stories, two completely different movies, but one is quite obviously a sequel to the other right the infinity war and endgame don't have that sort of break they are very much the same story told over two movies yeah fair enough um so where do we go from here as a podcast (laughs) and from as an mcu (laughs) we'll we'll never be the same again um (laughs) um yeah well let's let's yeah let's uh, think of some speculation before we uh, before this podcast threatens to run the length of this movie. Um, <laughs> it's not that long, but um, I don't know. What do you? I I think I I mean I already kind of laid out like my initial thoughts at least in regards to a, a couple characters, and I don't really have anything outside of that. So I'm interested to know what what you guys think. Well, I I wrote about this today, but I think. Um, this movie definitely puts the Black Widow movie in a whole different light. Um, suddenly, it's not just, you know, a new franchise led by Scarlett Johansson. I think it's a swan song for the character and for the actress. Um, so it'll have this emotional weight that it didn't have before. Um, and it'll obviously be a prequel. Um, unless, and, and please don't do this, Marvel, but unless they try to do some wacky soul stone stuff where they try to bring the character back but i have better faith in them i don't think they will try that uh as far as uh the rest of it i think uh the this is definitely now a franchise built around black panther captain marvel and uh to a lesser degree the guardians and dr strange i think that uh it succeeded in in finishing a story of the the main six um and and i I quite look forward to to seeing where they go as far as those individual uh, franchises and new franchises go. Um, as for the Avengers, I hope they they retire this franchise for at least five years, um, but I don't have faith that they will. Um, I'm I pretty have some strong feelings, and I think I believe that they're going to pan out to be true. I think we are not going to see an Avengers movie for five years on screen. I think they're going to um, definitely um, they're going to gear down. They've been in fifth gear, grinding those gears with Endgame. This movie is as big as you can possibly get. If there are any kind of intelligent people, they'll know they cannot top that anytime soon. So they're going to gear down and they're going to focus on solo films. And you're going to see you know, Black Widow, Eternals, and then you're going to see the exploration, the, the second evolution of what is becoming their new A-list characters. So you're going to see Black Panther 2, Doctor Strange 2, you know, Spider-Man 2 is coming out this summer, Far From Home. And I think they're going to put the focus on them. You're Eventually, somewhere between that five years, we'll probably get Captain Marvel 2. Um, and I think, it, it, you know, they're, if they're smart, they're going to try and keep these as human-scale movies as possible, you know, relatively, obviously. But, like, 
you know, try and, and, and dial them back, make them character based and, um, you know, and evolve the MCU at the same time and the characters, but like try not to go super big. What I think they can do sometime between five years and now that'll be um, helpful for them is first of all, you're going to get guardians three, which is, you know, that's still a pretty big team. Um, and so you're going to get that kind of aspect if Thor's in it. Um, I, per- I personally don't want Thor to be in it because we've already had Thor with the Guardians in Infinity yeah, War. Yeah, I don't uh, either. But but if they if they bring him back, so then you've got that. You know, you've got that aspect too. Guardians three could be um, uh, could be like the equivalent of a Civil War. You know, um, uh, you got a bunch of characters in there, and um, it's a it's a pretty big send off. So you'll have something like that. The other thing that they could do somewhere in between, you know, I think five years is a, probably a pretty good barometer, um, is that they could easily come up with some sort of mid film that is the equivalent of a Ragnarok, where you have, I mean, Ragnarok is like, you know, you got the Revengers, right? You got Loki, you got Hulk, you've got, um, you got all this little team, and 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 that becomes a thing, and all these people, Valkyrie, and that that, that movie in in a way is, uh, you know, a, a, another kind of civil war, another little mini team movie. And there's nothing to say that they really can't do that, too, you know, with um, whatever it is they're going to do. It, it sounds like they're going to introduce Namor at some point as a villain, either in Black Panther 2 or uh, Doctor Strange 2. Um, so that'll be kind of interesting. And, and you know, they've said something along the lines that we probably won't get X-Men or Fantastic Four um, anytime within five years. I think that's given how many movies and how much stuff that they have, I think that's probably fair to say. Um, and then you can start gearing up with that. I mean, there's a million ways to slice that. So who knows how they do it. Um, but that's another thing is like, you know, if you, if they get to that sort of five years and they need that big movie, maybe it, that movie is like fantastic four or X-Men rather than, you know, Avengers or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think the only way to top Endgame at this point would be, in seven, eight years to have Avengers versus X-Men. Yeah. Um, and, and that's kind of what I think if they're building towards anything, that's what they should build towards. Yeah. I think, and I think that's, I think that's exactly right. I think they're going to do something like that. Um, that would be, um, and especially if they do that specific story, which I think people have been speculating about, it gives you again, the kind of civil war aspect of heroes against heroes. That's always really interesting conflict. It gives you um, the ability to not have a gigantic big bad, um, which is you know can, can be really boring, um, and it just gives you li- wiggle room to like you know lay the the, the, the groundwork for a, a Galactus or a Doctor Doom as a huge super big bad down the road, you know, and or like Secret War or whatever it is that they try and eventually do. But I I think it could be really a long long time where you don't necessarily need one of those things and and. You have all this other stuff. You can have all these Disney Plus shows in the meantime. You know, we're going to see the end of essentially the end of Hawkeye's story. We're going to see, I think, the Falcon and Cap or Falcon and Winter Soldier now is takes on this incredibly new dimension, which I think is all going to be about, you know, the Falcon transforming into Captain America and the weight and the burden of having to become Captain America. Um, I think that could be interesting. Um, and you're going to get the Wanda and the Vision story, however that plays out, which it seems incredibly hard to speculate because all the information there is slightly crazy and contradictory. Like there's some mention of the 1950s maybe, but that doesn't really make a lot of sense. And uh, yeah, I, I, um, 
you know, there's a they, they have so much. Um, even without Fox, I mean, like, you got to remember this plan has been laid out before they even had Fox. Now they've got it's almost like Fox is like a a problem. It's like a good problem to have. <laughs> you know, they got all this stuff happening. So um, I don't see I don't see Fox anytime soon. Um, maybe the, maybe seeds get sown. Maybe you see a character here and there pop up in one of the movies in 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 the wild. Maybe something pops up on a Disney Plus thing. The um, the word mutant gets thrown around. I bet. Oh yeah, now that they have the excuse to do it for sure, absolutely. You know, one hundred percent. And and maybe you'll see evidence of one or something. Maybe we see a uh, a mutant villain or something. You know, not like a necessarily a big one, but just just to acknowledge that one is there. You know, that kind of thing. Maybe. It's interesting how they, they, they think about, you know, all this stuff's going to happen. Like, like, is there time glitches? Is there something in the quantum realm? There's been a lot of uh, theories that the Fantastic Four are in a city or something like that within the quantum realm. There's a theory that the Black Knight is a, some, someone who apparently they've been talking about a lot. He, he's somewhere in the quantum realm. Um there's lots of the quantum realm and the time travel thing can can play a lot of havoc and can potentially, you know, in, in ways of, I don't know, like some sort of glitch or something that can introduce stuff. So, um, but they just have, if anything, they have too much content and they and they need to spread it out. Um, and uh, like uh, some other people I talk to would go like, oh, you know, they can bring back Cap or Tony, you know, at some point because like there's a million ways to do it now. Yeah, there is. And they like literally don't have to for like another like the maybe 20th anniversary they could pop up somewhere or something but like why they got so much like they they, they're just overloaded and and then some point you know deadpool's gonna try and have to cross over into this stuff and who knows man it's like uh it's i can also also see why the russos are like Man, we need a break from this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I agree. I, I think uh, I think you hit the nail on the head with the Fox thing being a nuisance. I think the, if if anything, there's only literally so many months in the year where they can right. release movies, and and you can't service all these franchises. It's it's an embarrassment of riches. It's a problem where everything they've released, maybe arguably outside of Ant Man, has returned to this into this big like sort of you know, franchise that should have a trilogy of its own. And at mm. some point they're going to have to make hard choices. Like, you know, obviously they're going to continue with Black Panther and Captain Marvel. Those are billion dollar movies, but do they move forward? Dr. Strange, um, is it worth it? Uh, do they just sideline Ant-Man, even though he's had uh, a big thing in the first round of movies? Um, did, what did they do with Cap? Obviously now it's a, a Disney plus series, but is he just relegated to the sidelines until they need, like you said, a, a pop in numbers? It's, it's, it's very interesting, and I, I think uh, obviously we'll 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 really see when they announce Phase Four or whatever they call it, um, where they're headed. And I think it's going to equally shock and disappoint fans because they're not going to get the uh, the the names they want. Yeah, and I think that's pretty standard for the most part. A lot of times. Like, look, I've done so many of these Comic-Cons, and I've heard dozens of people being like, oh, yeah, they're going to announce this, 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 and this. And from experience of having done this so many times, 
I can always tell you that like maybe 20% of what people ask for is actually announced. And it's always like, it's very rarely like, you know, Oh, I want the new thing. This it's always the part two of this, the part three of that. It's very safe choices um, with a few things peppered in. If anything, we're going to get some new stuff just because they don't have anything else ready next year. I mean, we know what they're going to announce at Comic-Con this year. They're announcing Black Widow and Eternals because we know that those two movies are shooting this year. So that's what we're going to get in 2020. Um, And I think it's only going to be two movies. And then from there, you're probably going to get – what's the character's name? Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi. And for 2021, they said Guardians is not till 20 – oh, so it's 2021 will be um, Shang-Chi and Black – uh, or uh, yeah, Black Panther two and Doctor Strange two, and um, and then twenty twenty two or twenty twenty one would be um, no, sorry, my um, twenty twenty two would be uh, Guardians of the Galaxy three, right? Because they said it was going to be, it's, it's going to be a long beat before that one comes, right? And, and probably Captain Marvel too. They have to they yeah, have to yeah, strike right. while the iron's hot there. The yeah, Marvel two that year, and then also that year maybe the third Spider Man. Oh yeah. Yeah, Sony wants these movies out every two years, so um, you may actually see it sooner. Who knows? Yeah, and and that's the kind of pattern you're going to get. Maybe we'll get an Ant-Man 3. And, yeah, I don't see any of that new stuff, like, coming out as, you know, Namor may get introduced, and and that'll be interesting, and then he'll be a character around, and maybe they can introduce characters that way. Um, Maybe they do something like, Rather than do the X-Men, you could introduce Wolverine early because Wolverine's sort of introduced that way anyhow in the comics. He comes through – well, I mean there's obviously lots of different ways, but a lot of his history is t- tied to Alpha Flight and his Canadian history. And um, you know he crosses over in the Avengers a lot in the comics and yeah, who knows? You, you just want your Canadian Alpha Flight movie. I do. I, do. I, I mean I, I love that comic book, but I don't think – if that, like, literally, I think at the early, so you get that as 15 years from now. Because <laughs> they're, like, so backed up. Like, like they'd be, like, want to do it, but they'd be like, yeah, maybe in 15 years we'll get to it. Yeah, I don't I don't have anything else on <laughs> speculation. <laughs> Sorry, I've thought that a lot. <laughs> no, it's understandable. It's understandable. Um, <laughs> um, is there anything else? I, I know we, we, we got through a lot, but are, are there any stones that we haven't turned over no but <laughs> we're only 30 minutes away from hitting the the, the length of end game so if we keep rambling we might <laughs> we might get to the length of end game so there is well, that. well here i got our next 30 minutes how's spider-man five years away coming back to high school and still being in the same grade Oh, I didn't even think about <laughs> that. But and and did all of his friends get snapped away, and so they're all going to have to repeat the eleventh grade or whatever while all their friends are in college graduating. Yeah, yeah, life is going to be pretty messed up in high school. <laughs> high school's already anyway. messed up enough, so that's, yeah. that's unfortunate yeah. for them. I just uh, I can't shake this time jump and. Yeah, the repercussions. People, people just make jokes like, "Penis Parker, you got held back five years." 
but then so did like Flash Thompson legit. too. Yeah. <laughs> Flash Thompson will not have been snapped back, so he'll be like twenty five and have kids and be fat and be like still like picking on Peter Parker. Yep. Yeah. Well, then that leads to the question, of course, like, then does the next movie take place before or after? Oh, um, definitely after. Definitely, okay. It has to be, well, that's that's the thing, is it has to be after. Either that or it takes place before Infinity War, which is a cop-out, so. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, it definitely, it definitely takes after, and place, it takes place after, and there's already some, lots of speculation that Sony being the dinks they are may spoil Tony Stark's death in the in the next trailer. Oh my god. Oh. I yeah. didn't even think of that. Oh, yeah. they they will do that too. Yeah, although you would think Marvel would have some say in that, but who knows. No, it's Sony's I, movie. They, apparently they've done that before in in one of the either recent ones or some something oh, I don't know, people people who who really pay attention to this stuff have said that that Sony has done that to Marvel before. Well, so, the the speculation is that Sony that Marvel didn't want Spider Man this year, and Sony was like, "No, we're releasing a Spider Man movie, so make it happen." Interesting. Yeah, that would make sense. I could buy that. Yeah, I could definitely buy that. Though, yeah. Anyway, um, maybe we shouldn't go thirty minutes longer because I don't. Oh, know. No, I was kidding. Okay, because because I don't know if our <laughs> listeners like us as much as they like the Avengers characters. No, and then, no, no. That's definitely <laughs> and then they'll go, oh, there's some good moments peppered by whiplash. So uh, in this podcast, <laughs> so uh, so the I think... back to the future segment was the worst. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> is that far off? Um, but anyway, uh, I think I think we've we've exhausted all possibilities. So uh, I think it's about time to wrap it up. Uh, thank you guys for hopping on and talking about this. I know it was a lot. Um, but I'm glad we were able to, to get our thoughts out there. Um, it is out. I'm sure again, if you've listened to this part, I'm surprised if anyone's still listening at this point, but if you're still <laughs> listening, you've seen the movie at this point. Uh, but it is out. You're still listening at this point and you can prove it. You get to see Endgame free on us. Yeah. <laughs> we, we will, we will Venmo we will Venmo you a ticket. If you, yeah. uh, if, if you, you can somehow prove that you've listened to this entire thing. <laughs> <laughs> take a like screen grab of the um <laughs> the podcast app on the iphone say hey i made it all the way how do we know you didn't scroll it um but thank you guys for joining um and if you, if you made it this far just a reminder the playlist podcast is part of the playlist podcast network so if you like this show be sure to subscribe to us on itunes on stitcher on soundcloud however you get your podcast you'll get this show as as well as our other shows um, so thank you for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Bye.